This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Goal for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. He does. So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. All right, I can't make this up. The press conference in San Francisco is still going. It's unbelievable. Gabe Kapler is the new manager of the San Francisco Giants. The press conference started a little bit after noon. Normally, when you do these press conferences, you come out. Well, they actually have a new general manager also. So you interview the you introduce the new general manager, you introduce the new manager, Farhan Zaidi. What is his title? Is he VP? Is he president? Whatever. What's his title, Cody? President of Baseball Operations, or maybe he'll just be known as the CBO, Chief Baseball Officer. So he, you come out, you talk a little bit, you introduce, Kapler says a little bit, new GM says a little bit, and then take a few questions, 15 minutes, tops. It's over. They're still going. It's still, bring it as, it's still going? It's still going. Apparently now he's talking about Brandon Belt, who people are saying possibly could be the most likely player traded before opening day. So Kapler's now talking about Brandon Belt. It's unbelievable. He doesn't shut up. He won't shut. It's, it is literally one of the worst introductory press conferences I have ever seen. It is a controversial hire. When it got announced yesterday... Like, Scott Harris, the new GM, has not said anything, basically. He's just sat there like a puppet for an hour. This is such a bad look, it is unbelievable. And you know what? For the first time in a long time, finally the Bay Area media is going to step up and they're going to challenge the Giants. And I'm not doing this as the A's guy. I've covered the Giants for years. Well, way back when. But when the Giants won their three World Series, they became bulletproof. And finally, especially with this decision, if you looked at all the comments from Giants fans, nobody's happy about this. I don't know 
if I have ever seen this before, ever, where a guy being hired from outside the organization, technically you don't know him, that everybody hates it. Everybody hates it. And then you have a press conference. It's going to make people hate it even more. He's still talking. It's over an hour into a press conference. Here, listen to this. Dude, it's supposed to be 15 minutes. You're still talking. It's an hour later. So on the show today, Kevin Franzen. Franzen, my buddy Franny, former big leaguer, now does color for the Philadelphia Phillies radio network. He knows Kapler. We're going to bring him on at 2 o'clock. What are the Giants getting? What are we getting here in the Bay Area? Because I can tell you, I don't know Gabe Kapler. He was a great guest back in the day when I had my talk show on the other station because he was one of those guys, very informative, very smart. Likes to talk. You ask him three, four questions, he'll take up the entire interview. But I could have told you then, interviewing him, Gabe Kapler likes Gabe Kapler. Probably one of the most in shape guys of all time, too. But Gabe Kapler likes Gabe Kapler. Now, as a media guy, that works. And the Dodgers brought him in, and a lot of people, it's finally over, by the way. Can somebody get me the actual count on how long that press conference was? That's a disaster. I have never seen a guy come from out of town, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, at 510-897-1322. That's 510-897-1322. Wait a minute, go back, go back, go back. They're, they're going to uh, NBC Bay Area. Go back to the screen. You closed it? Oh, my God. Pat Burrell had a look on his face. That was Pat Burrell's in there with Kelly Johnson inside the studio. And I couldn't hear what they were saying, but I could clearly see Pat Burrell going. He had a look on his face like a smirk, like, oh, my God. I don't think I've ever seen something like this where you are – Bringing on a new guy to lead your franchise. He's in from out of town. Now, Commander Cody brought brought up Jim Tom Sula. And we remember that tragedy of a press conference. And then after with our good friend Jim Cozumore uh, on NBC Bay Area asking him, and his answers were, uh, We're going to run it and we're going we're gonna to throw it. Uh, I mean, it was, it was a disaster. But a lot of people... We're against Jim Tom Sula because they believed he was a part of the process of running Jim Harbaugh out. But he was already in the building. Now, I don't know how many people miss Harbaugh. I always will miss Harbaugh. Good friends of Bob Melvin and Harbaugh, a good friend of the Oakland Athletics. But the way Michigan has gone, I don't know how many people are like, ugh. So we'll have Kevin Franzen on at 2 o'clock to talk about this. And this was not winning the press conference. Official time, it looks like, from what I gathered from my recording, around 58 minutes. There's no way you ever plan an introductory press conference for your new manager, head coach, whatever, for an hour. Chris Rose, MLB Network, NFL Network, intentional talk. Is he down at the GM meetings right now, or is he in L.A.? 
think he's in L.A., but I'll double-check with him. All right, we'll talk to Chris Rose at 2 o'clock and then our buddy Shooty Babbitt at 3.30. Then we're going to play a snippet. So we'll continue to do all the bells and whistles of A's cast here during the offseason. We have recorded a nice half-hour green and gold history with our buddy Dave Feldman, our A's historian, and we've been doing top 10 positions throughout the year. We just recorded top 10 center fielders all time in Oakland A's history. We'll play you a bit of that today. And also, we're going to be efforting somebody from the Giants press conference just to talk about what they saw, what was going on. We got a lot to get into today because the Astros continue to be the gift that keep on giving. And I will get into the Astros coming up here because we could see a historical precedent set this offseason with a certain organization. And a certain organization that's just been to the World Series, Game 7 of the World Series. But I cannot help but not start with Gabe Kapler. Gabe Kapler is known as somebody who thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. And this is why I don't understand the direction Farhan is going here with Kapler. When you bring in somebody who immediately is disliked, Like, even the super soft cheerleading media of the Bay Area, everybody's all over him. Why are you making this hire? This is is something we talked about in the past when Cody kept trying to slam this down my throat, and I kept saying, there's no way they're going to hire him. Cody was right. But where I'm right, Cody, is no one's going to like it. You can't sell this. There are so many bets. This goes back to... The supposed domestic violence that was kind of a cover-up with him in Los Angeles that involved a minor when he was working for the Dodgers, which Farhan today had to talk about multiple times to say that, oh, we learned from this, and that was really bad. You just are having to deal with what happened with Larry Bear, their CEO, and his wife that was caught on tape that we saw their confrontation out in public. We saw the video. Now you're bringing in a guy that was not successful in Philadelphia, which we'll talk about that with Kevin Franson at 2 o'clock, wasn't successful in Philly. There was all kinds of issues in Philadelphia. And now you're going to bring him in on a three-year deal on a team that doesn't have the roster of Philly. You know, where are they going as a roster? Didn't understand what they did last year. Like, all of a sudden, they got a little bit of a hot streak, and everybody got excited, and it's Bochy's last year. And I've been saying for years that they're not taking on water. This isn't a boat taking on water. This is a boat that sunk at the bottom of the ocean. Were they, like, 70-something games under 500 since the All-Star break of 2016? That's not a small sample size. They're at the bottom of the ocean. Farhan knows it. You can't win with these older, expensive guys anymore. I guess Kapler's talking about building around Buster building around Buster Posey. Have you seen these numbers? The fact that he's a number three hole hitter in your lineup is a disgrace. 
no offense, I think he's a good man. He's been a terrific player, but he's a shell of himself. So you're gonna you're gonna bring a know-it-all guy who's gonna be tough to deal with. He's a load. You gotta deal with him before every game. You gotta deal with him after every game. And this was in Philly where they were trying to win. What's this going to be like when you're 15 games under 500 and it's the All-Star break? I mean, unless he turns this thing, I mean, he's got some magic pixie dust and all of a sudden they're going to start winning baseball games. You're not beating the Dodgers. You're not going to close. Nobody in this division is going to beat the Dodgers. You're going to deal with this guy? I mean, I, I, I just, I know Farhan is a smart guy. I don't get, I don't get it. You need a builder. You need a teacher. You need a great communicator. Those are not things that came out of Philadelphia. What you saw today in a press conference was a guy that's showing you he likes him. He thinks he's really smart. Maybe I'll be completely wrong. I see this as a disaster. I see this within two years not working. And Farhan's got one year in. You know, this is the type of decision that you make that affects you ultimately. Because if this gets off to a a, a rough start and prolongs and losing, and all of a sudden it's, you know... He does strange things with the lineup. He kind of pisses off star players. The way to utilize the bullpen. And then all of a sudden you could be looking up and you're now looking at a whole new regime again. There's people who are just tone deaf and don't get it. They want to live and die by the data. That's fine. But this just isn't a guy that lives and dies by the data. He's tough to get along with. He rubs people wrong. Guys like that don't survive unless they win, and they win right away. That's fact. Once again, we're watching a guy come into his job already the softest baseball media, or one of them, at least for a big market, it's the softest baseball media. They're already looking at this as, this isn't going to work. Like before he ever talked, and then now he's talked for an hour, and now that backs up all the belief of this is not going to work. Seriously, I have never seen something like this you hire the guy everybody hates it now wait till everybody sees this press conference now everybody's really good if you hated it you're now really gonna hate it and watching from the other side of the bay we might have a lot of fun with it we might have a lot of fun what 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 did uh what did they do on MLB Network? They had Kapler's Corner. He's so controversial. Brian Kinney. You know what? We'll talk about that. 
You want to know when you're controversial in your very first year, they start doing segments about you on MLB Network. We'll talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. So last year, or actually two years ago, because it was right out of the gate, some serious controversial calls by Kapler in Philadelphia. Had the whole Philadelphia media pulling starting pitchers way too early. It was like right out of the, the analytics new handbook, a bullpen, bullpen, bullpen. Like pulling guys so early that everybody's looking at them going, what are you doing? Which got everybody questioning a rookie manager. You know, because that's the thing. It's like when you haven't managed before, at any level, when you start making mistakes, they're going to be all over you. So MLB Now, one of the shows on MLB Network, that's a real analytics show. As Brian Kinney says, it's the show for the thinking fan. They created a thing called Kapler's Corner. Because this was so outside the box hiring this guy. And I hate that expression. I'm sorry. Can we extract that? I hate that. Such a stupid Silicon Valley thing. But yeah, he it's such an out of left field hire that they started going over his decisions on a regular basis. And it didn't make him look good. And it got to a point to where you know, you're two years in, you're just a couple games under 500, but there's a reason they showed you the door, right? There's a reason. And the number one thing you have to be able to do to be successful now as a manager in baseball is you got to be able to manage up and you got to be able to manage down. So many years, this was about managing players. The players had to respect you. They had to fear you. They had to know you had the ultimate hammer. Ray Fossey will say all the time, Dick Williams would say to his players, World Series champion players, the only thing that I can control is the lineup card. Charlie Finley controls everything else. What do I have? I have the lineup card. I can make you sit right next to me. That's the power that I have. But in modern-day baseball, you have to be able to deal with the guys above you as much as the guys below you. The guys above you, the owner, the ownership group, the president, We've got every CEO, CBO, COO, all those guys. The guys, are, you know, everybody's got a fancy title now. Baseball, president, blah, 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 vice president of baseball. Everybody's got a title. You got to get along with those guys. It's a manage up, manage down skill set. That Bob Melvin is one of the best I've ever seen at it. 
And that's why Bob's going to be around here for a long, long time. That's the reason why the New York Yankees came calling for Bob Melvin. You got to be able to do it all in today's baseball. That's something I'm going to ask Kevin Franzen about at 2 o'clock because Franny was around him the last two years in Philadelphia. Can he do all of that? You don't get a long time in this game. You get a three-year contract. You're not going to be it unless you, unless you see tremendous growth. You will not be there for two years. And you're replacing somebody that is beloved. And he should be beloved. Because Bruce Bochy is good people. I interviewed Bruce Bochy back in the day when he was the manager of the Padres. I've interviewed Bruce Bochy for years with the Giants. I know a lot of people who know him well. You know, his best friend is my old infield coach when I was a little kid, Tim Flannery. I've had extensive talks with Flan about him. Bochy's a good man. And loved. He's not a load. He's not a me, 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 I, 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 I'm the greatest, I'm the smartest. That's not how Bochy operates. And that's what that building is used to. That's what those players are used to, good or bad. You are used to the way Bruce Bochy ran the organization. Now you're bringing in somebody who is like the opposite end of the spectrum. This is something we see in football constantly, right? You'll have a football coach that operates one way, right? Let's say he's a hard ass. He's tough on everybody. He's tough on ownership. He's tough on the players like Harbaugh. Just really hard to deal with. So when you're going to hire the next guy, you want somebody that's completely opposite of him. And that's what that's what you see a lot. And then when that person fails, then you go back to the other side for what you had before. You never hire the same guy. When, when someone leaves firing, retiring, you never then go hire the exact same guy. You, ha- you, you Usually it's human nature, especially with firings, you hire somebody that's completely opposite. Well, that's what they've done. They've hired somebody completely opposite of Bruce Bochy. Now, where this could work is that you're not going to, because I'm not going to say, hey, it's not going to, I, I, if I had to bet on it, I bet in two years we see something different. But let me give you the other side of it from a baseball side. Could he be successful? Eh. Philly's different than San Francisco. Philly is different from the standpoint of they're, they're, they're in it and they're after it every day. It's a different beast. They're looking for controversy every single day. Bryce Harper comes to town, it's every day. 
They're looking for an angle. They're looking for a story. They're looking to one-up the other paper, the sports radio, the television. Everybody's looking to break a story. Everybody, that's not who we are. That is not even close to what we do here. Mark Willard's good at 1.30 if we want to talk to him. He was at the press conference. Yeah, I, so. go on, I actually go on his show. Yeah, so we'll get Willard on here in about five minutes to talk about the Gabe Kapler experience. What the press conference was like. But this will be the one benefit. If I'm going to give Kapler one shot at it, is that who's going after him? Like they did in Philly. Who's going to question him like they did in Philly? Who? Who on their beat is going to play tough guy? Maybe Andrew Baggerly? I mean, Hank Shulman does a good job. Is Hank Shulman going after him? Kerry Crowley going after him? I mean, our market's pretty soft, which I don't have a problem with. I do respect the East. I, I've always kind of liked how they cover their baseball teams. I like the fact that every game means something to them. You know, we've seen it years past. Yankees or Red Sox come out earlier in the year to Oakland. They don't play well. Man, they're all over them. Out here, it's like, oh, it's early. Isn't it great? The baseball season started. It's early. It's not early in Philly. It's not early in Boston, and it's not early in New York. They expect you to play for 162, and I respect that. But that's maybe where he'll have an advantage here. He's gone from, I got to deal with everybody who's looking for a fight and anger. Everybody's looking for a story. They're looking for an edge every day on me. That's what it's like to be the manager of the Phillies when there's high expectation and the fight and Phils are spending money. Now he comes to San Francisco. Eh, no one's expecting them to win. No one's, no one's expecting them to win the division. I mean, Who's the hard? Who's the hard-nosed guy that's going to be following him on an everyday basis? Anybody that's kind of got an edge to him, they're floating around. It's Niners. It's Warriors. It's there. There's not going to be a guy in front of Kapler every day grinding him from a media standpoint. Maybe he'll use that to his advantage. The bottom line is winning, and if you don't win and you rub people wrong. If you don't win and you're tough to deal with, it's not easy. We'll continue to talk about this, and I can't wait to get into the Astros. You know, at one point, baseball had to had to come down hard on some people. Remember when baseball suspended George Steinbrenner? There's sometimes baseball has to do things they don't want to do, and it's starting to look like that. And, like, that's going to happen in Houston. This could be a very, very rough offseason for the Houston Astros. Coming up next, what was this press conference like in San Francisco? Because it looked like a disaster. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Something we also need to get into today. There's one team that could change the entire postseason. 
No, it's not the A's. And no, it's not Gabe Kapler, Farhan Zaidi, and the Giants. We'll get into it a little bit later, but it's a team that's got some big names. And it's a team where, like, if they actually said, hey, everybody's available, you'd have a lot of teams come a-calling. And you'd be like, what are they doing? It's a team that was very successful, recently won a World Series. And if they're going to retool, I guarantee a lot of people are going to be coming to them and their roster saying, I'll take your third baseman. I'll take your shortstop. I'll take your first. So there is a team that could change all of the postseason. We'll have that for you in just a little bit. Mark Willard is a host on KMBR 680. I go on his show uh, every so often, so it's great to have him on my show as he was over at the press conference today. Mark, how are you? Tony, I'm fantastic. Honored to be on your show. Well, let me tell you this. Normally in press conferences, you want your he- <laughs> you want your head guy to come out and talk a little bit. Then you want to introduce your new GM. Then you want to introduce your new manager. You want to take a few questions. And then you want to get up and you want to take pictures and then you want to talk to the media off the podium. And it's all done in about 20, 30 minutes. This thing went for over an hour. What the hell was going on? Yeah, this one was a little bit different, wasn't it? Um, for, uh, <laughs> for all kinds of reasons. And, you know, normally I think, uh, you know, guys like you and me, we like it uh, when, uh, when content or sports or events break the mold because sometimes what you were describe, uh, describing a moment ago can get a little mundane, but I don't think uh, that this breaking of the mold was all that comfortable uh, for the Giants. I mean, the main reason for its length, actually, uh, you'd have to put on Kapler himself. The opening statement of Farhan Zaidi, uh, followed by Kapler himself, was probably close to you know, 25 minutes just in and of itself before anybody was even asking a question. And most of that was Gabe. I think uh, he had a lot to say. There were a lot of things that they wanted to try to address uh, before they got to questions. I think that's fair in this situation. I think he also was a little bit nervous. He admitted that. And so, um, you know, he kind of wanted to walk through uh, some bullet points that he had in front of him. Um, But, Tony, it was just, a different kind of a, of a press conference. I mean, anytime that you're introducing a new era and, and you're starting off with explanations and apologies and talks of authorities, this is all incredibly uncomfortable. I guess you could say it speaks to how very, very firmly Fahan Zadi believes this is the right guy. Uh, because if he didn't, with conviction, uh, why would they do this? Why would they put themselves through this? But, uh, but yeah, that was the lay of the land today, and it was definitely different. Yeah, all the years I've been doing this in the Bay Area, I don't think I've ever seen a guy who was hired, and immediately everybody doesn't like the hire, and then all of a sudden you double back on the press conference. Now everybody really doesn't like the hire. It just... When we heard the rumors of this and sitting over, you know, we've known Farhan for years over here from his time. He's a great guy. I was just like, how are you going to go from Bruce Bochy, who's so beloved, and then go to Gabe Kapler 
And just not what happened in Philly, knowing just what we know about Gabe Kapler, how are you going to sell this? And already this has turned out to not be a very good sell job right out of the gate. Well, I mean, it's interesting. I think that there's probably room for, for some, some different perspectives on, on how today went. Yes, it was awkward. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a little lengthy. Uh, but I don't, I don't think that the guys did anything to necessarily hang themselves uh, with regard to these issues. I mean, I think one fair question that I really want to get into with people, uh, you know, once, uh, once, once I get back on the air later this evening, is if you are really that upset about anything related to Gabe Kapler and what happened in L.A., why were you okay with Farhan Zaidi in the first place? Uh, because Farhan, as he has now detailed, was every bit as involved in that process as Kapler was. So I think what happens, Chris, and, and you get this, uh, what happens is, is, is certain labels and perceptions they get tagged to people, sometimes fairly, sometimes unfairly, and then off we go into the social media mob. And that's been tagged to Gabe, partially because he also doesn't play the game. He's a little bit different. Uh, he, you know, some might say he's a little bit odd or, or whatever. He's a unique personality. I'm of the mind, though, uh, and I think Fahan is probably as well. No matter how it starts, it's really going to come down to what happens as it unfolds, once games actually start, once relationships start getting built. I mean, they could have hired Joe Espada, and if they went out and lost 40 of their first 60 games, then what's everybody going to say about Joe Espada? And, if, and vice versa, if, if it goes out and, and people look like they're getting along and, and, and the team is having some sort of success, maybe there's a flip side there too. So I, I do think you know, the, the short play, you're right, does not look good. Uh, but there's a long play that we, we still need to watch play out. Yeah, and the thing, the big question that I have, and been following this since, what, the uh, 2016 All-Star break, there are more than 70 games under 500, and I've been saying, hey, listen, I know I'm the A's guy, but just watching it, this ship's not taking on water. This ship's at the bottom of the ocean. They, I mean, they've, they've, they've been bad for a while now, so it's like, Farhan, where are you going? Are you going into rebuild mode? Are you going into a mode where you're trying to win and rebuild at the same time? You bring in Kapler. I mean, what's the direction going forward for the Giants? Well, there are two really interesting things on that. A, uh, that's why I'm so excited about this offseason. You know, the GM meeting starting here soon. I don't know how quickly anything will come together. It seems like Baseball just keeps to you know lengthening this process, and now some guys don't get signed until February. Uh, but I, I think what they do this off season uh, will will have a lot to say on that. Um, but beyond that, as far as the direction, I mean, what's clear outside of them announcing today that Ron Wotus will still be the third base coach, and I think he wanted to stay in San Francisco, and and there is something that's kind of nice and nostalgic about that for fans. Outside of that, I mean, it is really time to flip the whole thing upside down and, and, and pour it out. This is a, a, a very true about that, Chris. is to the point you just made, you know, the, the fan base loves Bruce Bochy, and, and they love a lot of the guys, Bumgarner, Posey, who have had attachments to what was a wonderful run, but it's been well over a 1,000 days 
of this team being a bad baseball team. And for some reason, there are a lot of members of the fan base that don't want to see radical change. And, and I'm, I'm wondering what it is they're hanging on to. Certainly there are memories, uh, but there's nothing in the recent time that suggests there's anything to hold on to. Yeah, and one guy they talked about, and it's a little bit of a, that I actually got to see when Kapler talked about Posey and building around Posey, and it's like, whoa. Buster hasn't played a full season in two years. The numbers, they're just not there. I, I, I know he's a good guy. He's a good leader, but we're in a production business. Your three-hole hitter cannot have a 688 OPS. It's just a reality, and it's the wear and tear of the everyday process of catching that eventually beats up all these catchers. He's got He's got big money left on his deal. He's beloved, but what do you do with this guy? Well, I think one thing that's really important to note there with the way Gabe handled that is that Buster was sitting about 15 feet from him. Uh, Buster was the player representative there today, and so if you heard him continually refer to Buster, I, I do think part of that is because Buster was sitting right there. <laughs> now, um, I also know that, that Farhan, both today and last night when he came on KMBR, um, he talked about one of the things that, that, that drew him to Gabe was that Gabe was was not going to be necessarily emotionally tied to those guys and not be afraid um, to, uh, to let the numbers do the talking and, and let the production do the talking. So even though, you know, he even made mention at one point of panda hats and baby giraffes in the stands. And, you know, panda is a free agent and, and belt is a part of a ton of trade rumors. So I, I think that that might have been Gabe just trying to sort of, um, you know, show the fan base that, He's aware of the history. He's aware of who's there and, and what kind of makes the current fan base tick. But I wouldn't read a whole lot into those comments in terms of that's what it's going to mean when the lineup actually comes out. There, there's an entire offseason of roster building and maneuvering. And, and as, as you know, uh, Farhan is brilliant with that, and, uh, and that'll be his job. And then, uh, you know, once – once we get to uh, to April, then Gabe can take it from there. You know, the reality in the National League West, the Dodgers have won it seven straight years. That's a record. And the Padres are bringing back their brown uniforms. And oh, isn't that great? And the Diamondbacks still – the reality is everybody's playing for a wild card. It's, it's so hard to believe, but that's just how good the Dodgers are. And, and the fact is, whoever you want to go to their farm system, the Dodgers are better at the big league level – and the Dodgers minor league system is so stacked. I mean, it's 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 hard to think when the next National League West team will actually really challenge the Dodgers for the division. Yeah, it's pretty intimidating. There's no uh, there's no question about it. I would imagine for uh, for the rest of the division. But I would also go back to then um, thinking about the time where Fonzie was presented with this job, and sure when we're offered uh, steps up in life, we tend to take them, but he's an incredibly smart guy. You know him well. Um, does he take that job if he does not see in his mind an avenue to succeed? I don't know, uh, but he left the Dodgers for this team. And, and, and you know, he knows that he's the, the right to make these decisions. It's why Gabe Kapler is here. Uh, I think he believes in his process and, and the resources that this organization uh, will definitely have and will continue to present to him. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, 
it's a hell of a nut to crack, man. I mean, uh, and, and, and somewhat because of his own doing. You know, some of the decisions he made with the Dodgers, uh, finding guys like Max Muncie and whatnot, uh, are going to make the Dodgers very, very difficult to top uh, anytime soon. The lineup is a juggernaut. I don't necessarily know exactly uh, what they're How's Clayton Kershaw emotionally going forward in his career? Will they finally start to focus resources on the bullpen? Those are the things that have maybe stopped them from winning a World Series. But, yeah, man, I, I mean, I'm with you. That, that lineup, unless there are major injuries or, or another team starts to really find some amazing talent, you know, then what's been happening is going to keep happening for at least a few more years. Let's end on this because, you know, a lot of my A's fans are 49er fans because when they were growing up in the East Bay, the Raiders were down in Los Angeles, so they're huge Niner fans. After that loss, which a lot of ways we can go about it. I mean, Jimmy G wasn't great. There was a lot of drop passes. It was an epic game in the end. How are 49er fans feeling after that first loss on Monday Night Football where they've lost, what, 11 of their last 12 to the Seattle Seahawks? Yeah, I, I think this actually would have been something that just was water off a duck's back, except for the implications, but there's the emotional implication there as well as the rivalry. But um, I think with each night of sleep comes more perspective that the 49ers are 8-1, and one. Um, and uh, most people would have been satisfied with eight at the end of the year as opposed to the, uh, the middle of the year. Um, there are injuries that are starting to pile up, and, and that's of a concern. And the NFL uh, at large has clearly found right now something that they think at least gives them a chance against the 49ers, which is sell out against every single thing that's not Jimmy Garoppolo and make Jimmy do some things. And, um, you know, for one game he did. And for the other game, we can argue if he did or he didn't. He thought he wasn't great, but the drops, in my opinion, lost the game. And what's the health of Kittle and Sanders going forward? I don't know. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's not a disaster. There's a lot left. I still think that they're going to go well into the playoffs, and who knows what they do when they get there. But for, for eight weeks, it felt like there wasn't a whole lot of a weakness. And now suddenly it feels like the 49ers are reverting back to that same spot of we've got a weakness in the pass catching area, or at least we're deficient when we're not fully healthy. I think that's what a 49er fan is probably feeling today. You know, that causes a little angst, but hell, Chris, what's a, what's an NFL season without a little angst? It was, maybe it was going a little bit too good. And I could definitely make the case that somewhere along the road, the 49ers are going to have to, to, you know, lose a game. You have to lose a game to, to sort of, uh, you know, get all of the things that that does to you emotionally and spiritually and physically and, and all of that. And so uh, they got a great opportunity to get back on the horse this weekend and then get ready for Aaron Rodgers and Sunday Night Football. Hell with the Raiders. We're thrilled to be 5-4 and four after that odyssey of flying right. around the world. I mean, it's crazy. Win Sunday, beat the Jets. Next thing you know, you look up your 7-4, and four, you're right in this thing. So Bay Area football, hopefully we're going to have a good winner here and have a lot to talk about. Hey, I appreciate yeah. you stopping by. It's always great coming on your show. Great to finally have me on, your, on my show, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, talk to you soon. Thanks, bud. Mark Willard, KMBR 680, does a great job there at night. So there you have it. In the end, it's all about winning.
But if you're not going to win, how weird is this going to be? Does that make sense? Like when you're winning, everybody's colorful, everybody's funny, everybody's good looking. Winning's the best. It's the best deodorant in life. I don't care how dysfunctional you are. Paging 1972, 73, 74 A's. You know, it's so funny. Like those teams. Oh, they fought, but they were like brothers. Hey, remember Phil Garner came on the program, said, if you threw a dollar at home plate, the entire team would fight over it. Phil Garner said that about the A's. The swinging A's. Throw a dollar bill at home plate, and you'd have 20-something guys fighting over that dollar bill. When you win, it covers up everything. When you lose, you're exposed. You're absolutely exposed. And you see it doesn't matter what sport. And that's why you wonder, you're starting this thing off with a controversial figure. You're starting off with a fan base that normally is all in. Mark said it. Panda hats. Giraffe hats. You can sell these people anything. We as A's fans have made fun of Giants fans for all these years. Maybe this might be the one where we actually respect them that going in. They don't like this. You can feed me garlic fries. You can feed me all this kind of stuff. But I don't like this move. I'm not seeing it in this guy. I'm not seeing the leadership. I'm looking at the past. Is that shady thing about the uh, what happened in L.A.? It's a weird hire. I said it from the start. Commander, can you back me on that? I said from the start going, you can't sell this. You have, and it's, it is weird. And, I mean, yeah, I'll take credit for them hiring him, but, you know, it's like your brother you, taking credit for. You're taking credit for Farhan <laughs> hiring Gabe Kapler. I've been telling everyone for weeks that's who the guy's going to be. You also said the Astros would win the World Series. Okay, well, I'm, I'm batting 500 right now. It's not bad. No. <laughs> You're the kind, You're like my kids. You can get five wrong, but once you get one right, you, you want to tell the world. It's well because you got one right, so you're on a roll. If you get two okay. right and want another, and get another one, that's a winning streak. What are the odds we're going to get Kapler on the show after all the things I've said? Still pretty. I think we can get him. I think we can let. If not, we'll land Farhan. We'll get one of them. Yeah, I want to get Farhan. Like I've been trying. The Giants have been. They've been telling me he's been busy trying to hire a manager. And so. a general. By the way, uh, what's the general manager's new name again? Is it Scott Harris? I think it's his name. Former Cubs assistant GM. <laughs> Did he talk? Like he sat there. He sat there the whole press conference. Uh, he when I was watching earlier when we were taping the interview with Feldman, he started talking, but I didn't get a chance to hear him because I was listening to the interview. But I think it's the only time I saw his mouth move. Folks, isn't this great? Why we have Bob Melvin? Isn't it great? Isn't it great that every single day you can wake up as an A's fan and you know you have the right leader? So I always laugh when some people go, oh, he didn't do this or he didn't do that. In 162 games, things are going to happen. 
But you have a class act at manager. You got a great leader. You have a smart man. He's a tremendous communicator. He understands business. He understands the business of baseball. He understands the business of people. This is why we are so lucky to have who we have at manager. And that we don't have to deal with the issues like the Giants are going to have to deal with. So be very, very thankful for Bob Melvin, your skipper. Three-time manager of the year. Can I give you a programming note? Confirmed. Trevor Bauer makes his return to Ace Cast Live at 3 Trevor o'clock. Bauer? So we'll have our good friend Trevor Bauer back on. Friend of the program. A lot of stuff happened. The Reds hired the driveline guy. What's he doing in the offseason? What are his thoughts on the Astros? You know, we'll sneak that in sometime. Because, you know, he's been behind, he's been saying for a while he thinks the Astros are doing something different down there in Houston. And he tweeted some good stuff yesterday with your conspiracy music. Yesterday, it was pretty good. He he had the – no, he didn't. Have yeah, the, he had the X-Files music yeah, on his the, Twitter. Yep, he had it in his Twitter. He had a video posted, and it was um, of like him giving up a home run to the Astros, and then it just cut to the uh, X-Files music. Well, I'm very happy because we're going to have Kevin Franzen coming on here in a moment, so I'm going to get into this after Franzen. But I'm very happy because if you've been listening to this program, A's Cast Live – if you've been listening to our pre- and post-game show around the Astros, I've been telling you for the past couple of years, I'm not going to go Cody and say, I'm right. But I've been telling you, if you've been listening, multiple teams have complained to Major League Baseball about the Astros, that this has been going on for years. And I kind of, I can only say so much, but I can, I can give you what, in a basic perspective of what I know, and that's why I told you multiple teams have complained. And backing that up today, I got to get my pay. Hold on. So in The Athletic, Evan Drellich and Ken Rosenthal backed up exactly what I have now said for two years. Multiple teams have complained to Major League Baseball that they know, not that they think, not that they have an idea, that they know the Astros have been pulling funny stuff for years. And it's in The Athletic. It's on their front page right now on on uh, on the MLB site on The Athletic. They have known, they have, they have been informed over the years. Same thing I've been telling you here. Wink, wink. We've known. We have known they've been pulling stuff for a long time. A couple years is a long time. In a statement from Major League Baseball, Remember, if you listen to this, we think we cover the game as well as anybody. We try and get you the most informed guest as well as anybody. We're baseball 24-7, 365. We'll get into a little football, a little basketball, but everybody transitions in radio and sports radio from sport to sport to sport. 
This is where you come for baseball. So we've told you for two years, teams have been complaining about Houston. In a Major League Baseball statement, the statement begins, beginning in 2017, numerous clubs expressed general concern that the other clubs were stealing their signs. As a result of those concerns, and after receiving extensive input from general managers, we've issued a revised policy on sign stealing prior to 2019. You've had multiple clubs go to Major League Baseball going, Houston's pulling stuff, and we know it. And they didn't do anything about it. We have a lot to get into. It's a heavy day here today, no question. But coming up next, Kevin Franzen knows Gabe Kapler. Franny, one of the all-time great San Jose State baseball players, former big leaguer, and now does radio for the Philadelphia Phillies radio network. He got to know Gabe Kapler. Is Gabe Kapler a good fit? Does he like the hire, or is it going to be a disaster? Kevin Franzen next right here on A's Cast Live. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he plants one. Way back. Goal for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Big, big hour. Kevin Franzen coming up in moments. Chris Rose from Intentional Talk and also NFL Network. We'll talk a little NFL with Chris. Love that little show he does Sunday nights with Deion Sanders. You ball, you get the call. Things could be looking good for Bay Area football. We could be looking at two playoff teams. If it ended today, we'd have two playoff teams. Buying or selling, the Raiders go further than the 49ers in the postseason. It's a good question. That's a big Raider game this weekend. Well, they're both Ooh. playing. The Raiders are playing with the Bengals, and they're like a 10-point favorite. Push. I can't answer that right now. I need, I need to see how they do this weekend versus Cardinals and Bengals. Ah. All of a sudden, the Raiders are back from the dead. Kevin Franzen is one of the great San Jose State baseball players of all time. One of the great Bellman prep baseball players of all time. Former big leaguer. And now does radio for the Philadelphia Phillies radio network. And he joins us here on A's Cast Live. Franny, how are you? What's up, dude? Uh, let's just say, look, I, previous station that we both worked for, stations, we weren't able to talk as often as we can or we're like. So I'm just excited I get to talk to you yet again. Well, we just actually had my, you know, the great thing about doing the streaming thing is that I can bring up KMBR or 95.7 and it's, it, it's not because people out there, you got to realize if you work at one of those stations, you're not allowed to mention the other station. The, yeah, for, no, for, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. Tired. Yeah. It's like, what, do you, <laughs> what, what, what are you so afraid of? You mentioned the other station that's going to change. It's just, it's ridiculous, <laughs> but uh, you gave them free advertising, bro. <laughs> so stupid. Uh, Kapler today, 
you know, normally when you have these press conferences, that's eh, 20 minutes maybe, then you do the pictures and all that. This press conference went for over an hour, Franny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, let us say rightfully so. I, I, I guess he's answered a ton in Philadelphia over this, over the time, but it became, it, it just became a witch hunt on him, the person. I'm just kind of, I was kind of baffled by that. Um, you know, I don't know what your favorite movie of all time or sports movie is, but my favorite movie of all time is Hoosiers. And you remember when Myra Fleener, that, that's the teacher, she goes in at the town hall meeting and just basically says, uh, I, I don't think it's fair or whatever. Let's give, you know, Coach Dale a, a chance. Let's give him a chance. Give him a chance. This guy hasn't even, like, had a, an opportunity to get in front of a team, and yet they're roasting him over something that happened four years ago. Now, is it wrong what happened four years ago? Yes. But did that need to be the number one subject today in his presser? That, that, that's the biggest thing. And, and look, the first person that has to ask a question is always out to, you know, find the truth and, you know, be the moral police on everything. When that's not, that, that shouldn't be the case. This should be a happy time for a good person. He's a good dude. I've told you that. Uh, the managing stuff is, you know, the stuff that's going to, he needs growth. And with growth, I mean, with opportunity comes growth, I think. And he's got that opportunity yet again to grow. And, and make things better, make things right. But, it, I mean, at the end of the day, I I thought he and Farron answered and stood in front of the entire, you know, press corps and, and everyone and, and on TV and, and, and everything and answered the, the questions and not by a script. And I don't know if you got that feeling, but it, it just didn't feel like a script at all. It, it, it actually came from deep inside, and I appreciated that. You know, I, I only got to see a little bit of it, and it's one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on today since you actually know Gabe Kapler and you know Philadelphia yep. and you know how tough that media is. And let's face it, our media out here is really, really soft. But, Franny, this is the first time in all my years, you know, covering all the different teams since the basically around the mid-'90s where I've ever seen a guy who right out of the gate the, the minute they mentioned it was his name, nobody liked it media-wise, nobody liked it fan-wise, and then I don't think people are going to really like it after this press conference. That's something that normally doesn't happen here in the Bay Area. Did that surprise you, the reaction? Yeah, a little bit, um, because I think the one thing that you and I, are, when we've talked just outside of everything, even on you know this, is uh, – the Bay Area is different than everywhere. It's the greatest place on earth. It is. It's the, the, the most diverse. It is the greatest melting pot of, of anything and everything, the most accepting of anything and everything, um, and very forgiving. I mean, I didn't sense any forgiveness by people asking questions instead of just like, I don't know, it just, it just didn't seem right because – of everything. I, I understand the severity of the situation. I understand all that. Um, I think they answered it the way they should have, and they approached it. They didn't ignore it. They kept on going. But it, it, it was it was surprising to me that, especially in the Bay Area, um, you know, the, the, the press and the fans haven't been accepting at all of it. I mean, it's, I don't know, it, it's a little bit, it's a little bit odd. Um, it's a little bit of the boach, you know, 
more than anything, no one's ever going to be able to uh, make up for what you're going to lose in, in having Boach as a manager or not as a manager now. Um, and, and, you know, you can't fill those shoes. It's, it's just impossible. So, I, yeah, I'm surprised. I mean, it, more than anything, they got to get to know him. Get to know him. Talk to him. He's awesome. He's very intellectual. He's very willing to learn might at times feel like he has all the answers. It's because he studied everything. It's like he, he found out something the day before about, um, you know, something in nutrition. He probably read like three or four different books on it in the next week to figure it out and see if that's right. Ask around. I mean, the guy is, the guy is willing to communicate and he, he he's, he's going to get, you know, lambasted right, right now for, for those things. But at the same time, when is it enough? When is it when you're going to be satisfied as um, a writer, as a fan? And it's over wins, right? I mean, it, it more than anything. Why did it not work out in Philadelphia? Uh, at the end of the day, they didn't win because they didn't play well. Now, is that full responsibility on cap? No. I think player-wise, they didn't, you know, some guys didn't live up to the expectations you had, you know, very inconsistent years by a lot of guys. Uh, you had a lot of injuries like everyone else does. And I, and I think, you know, for a franchise, the Phillies don't have a very deep farm system. And, you know, you being with the A's and seeing it all the time, look at who they bring up, look at the youth that they have and they continue to, you know, scout, develop and, and, and bring in, very impactful big leaguers and that's been the very it's been hard i mean in philadelphia they they haven't had a lot of impactful minor league guys that come up so to deal with those injuries so yeah the excuse of man we got you know had so many injuries it's those are brought out because why you don't you didn't have the yankees year they had a ton of injuries but what they have they had guys that came in stepped up and, and performed and and ultimately at the end of the day um i i this is a personal thought. I've, I've shared this with Cap. I thought um, he surrounded his, his players with not enough experience, you know, as far as coaches. Uh, in a lot of first-time coaches, doesn't mean uh, – you know, I've talked about this. You don't have to have played in the big leagues to be a big league coach. But if you weren't, you spent time in the minor leagues. you got to be a teacher still. you still got to be a teacher. you still got to be able to coach guys up. And I don't think he'd had enough of those guys in Philadelphia, Bobby Dickerson, Rob Thompson, and um, Dusty Wathen, um, and, and Jim Gott. I mean, those were the experienced guys where you can look around all Major League Baseball, for the most part, I'm not saying everyone, but for the most part, um, but like the Braves, they have just, you know, uber amounts of, uh, of talent or talent of coaches that have experience of playing, like Dansby Swanson. I always bring this up. Who does, who does a young guy like him, you know, because Marcus Simeon, who had one of the most incredible years based on if you take in the whole account of where he started at, not this year, but in previous years with Wash and how much better he's got and continue to get better. Well, Dansby Swanson has Ron Washington, Eric Young Sr., Walt Weiss. You think that's good, you know, for a young shortstop to, to be able to bounce off ideas to be able to, to, to know that a guy has been in his shoes. I mean, Walt Weiss is one of my favorite A's of all time. And I, I just remember how, how sound and, and, and fundamentally, like just he was such a good ball player. 
You think that's good to be around? I mean, I, I think that's a huge thing in this deal. Surround yourself with good people, with good coaches, teachers still, and he didn't do enough of that in, in Philadelphia, and I think that played a part of it. Let's go over strengths and weaknesses. What are Kapler's strengths as a manager? Uh, he can command a room, and I think that's a, that's a huge strength. Uh, I, I, I've told people, and they, you know, whether you find this uh, funny or not, but like, dude, we grew up when when someone talked to you, look at him straight in the eye, and and you know, you have a conversation. But uh, you know, in our world today, everyone's looking everywhere. It feels like and he commands a room, but he if you're in a one on one, Cap's looking at you, and sometimes it feels weird because you're like. Man, he's continuing to stare, but that's him. He understands that as a person, you're, you're not going to be overlooked. Um, you know, I'm going to look you straight in the eye. I'm going to talk to you. You ask the question, I'm going to talk to you or, you know, the entire media or the entire team. Um, he has the ability, in, in, in my mind, I find it, um, you know, with Cap, he's, he's, he's willing to understand that he's made his mistakes in, in certain things and adjust, um, you know, whether it's game planning, whether it's pitch plan, pitch game planning, um, whether it's bullpen use, whether it's look, I, maybe I, I eased up on these guys too much. He's able to adjust. He's able to humble himself enough to just say, I made a mistake here. Okay, let's adjust. And ultimately when it, if you, you know, going back to your original question, why didn't it work out? Like, look, Fans in Philadelphia didn't like too much change, and they were getting a ton of change. He happened to be the scapegoat. He was in an area that were, you know, us Californians were not always accepted. You're not. And uh, I, I think in more than anything, he's going to be accepted here. It, it, over time, people listen to him and understand how consistent he is as a uh, dude. So I, I think consistency is another, you know, huge strength. Um, so weakness. You want to know weaknesses? Yeah, what's the biggest thing he's got to get better at? In-game, bullpen, uh, and I think that comes over time anyways. But, again, surrounding yourself with the right people, having having the guys around you that can help you, like, hey, Cap, like, this, this needs to be – we need to make sure we stay away from certain situations. You know, like thinking he, – he's – I've told you, he's more, he's more prepared than anyone I've ever been around. Like, he's got he, – he's – you know, got everything planned out. He's got like three different plans. It's like, you know, things are scripted at, at times, but um, I think ultimately when it comes down to it, um, Cap needs to understand the pitcher mentality. And I think the mentality of some pitchers are they, they he needs to understand that these guys are, are, you know, creatures of habit. And certain guys, you know, every fourth day, need to throw. If they haven't thrown in four days, you got to get them in there. It doesn't matter what the situation of the game is. You got to get the guy in there. Um, it, you know, certain things like that. Uh, when it comes down to, when I say scripted, I, I think there needs to be a little bit less script when it comes to talking to the media and not coming in with bullet points on certain things that he wants to get across. Just being more reactive that way. Uh, he's a, like I said, he's a special human being because he wants to get to know the person, the people, the, the, the player. Um, and I, and I think sometimes in trying to understand everyone, it, it, it takes over the, um, uh, the perception of, of, of maybe like they could run on, run all over him. You know what I mean? Like at, at times there's not this like, 
I'm just going to blow you off. Sometimes just a, a, a manager or coach blowing you off for just like one day, it's a huge thing, right? It kind of puts you on on alert. You had it with Sam. You know, if Coach P never, Coach Perman never talked to you that one day, you're like, oh my God, oh my God. But that's an authoritative figure. And it's not about being scared, but it's about that respect factor and not always buddy buddy with the whole thing. Um, I, I think it's huge. And the last one I'll, I'll bring up is uh, weakness wise, I think rules you got to have some rules it can't be just the players clubhouse where anything goes uh you know you can wear whatever you want on a plane you need to have some respect for for the game and it's okay to be authoritative it's okay to have rules it's not a bad thing it doesn't mean you're a jerk it just means that you're in control and and i really think that 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 needs to help maybe a little bit and change for uh for cap yeah, that's that. and it kind of reminds me of what, what happened in San Diego with Andy Green where people said, hey, the guy's brilliant. Like, it's all in his mind. Like, he doesn't need to bring spreadsheets. He doesn't need to have analytics. It's all He is so freaking smart. But what people need to understand is, and I think that's where we're so lucky with Bob Melvin, is Bob Melvin is super smart. Uh-huh. But Bob Melvin knows how to manage the players. He knows how to manage the coaches. He knows how to manage the front office. You got to be able to manage up. You got to be able to manage down. I don't care how smart you are, Franny. You're still in the business of people. You got to be able to manage the humans. Yeah. And you know what's weird is that, like, at times, he's so so good with the upper management and being able to talk to them and and have that. It's like if that comfort level plus, um, the authoritative figure, you know, could come out at the same time. I, it, I think that changes things. I, I do. I mean, it, it, it sucks because I know the world we live in, uh, everyone wants, you know, every mom and dad that has a little, my son needs to play more. He's an all-star. He's going to get a scholarship. Like, no, you're not. Like, it, there needs to be realities. And there's a reality check that needs to happen in Major League Baseball, and that reality check needs to be, look, this guy's a manager. And he is trying very hard to understand you. But if you don't think that he's an authoritative figure, then I, I like, let's, let's take this for example, Gene Segura a couple times this year. And, and I don't mean to call him out, but I, I mean, I've talked about it on air, like during games, he jogged out a few times, didn't hustle. The effort wasn't there. And it could have been a message to the entire team of taking him out. But instead, he let it be, let it fester, and then it happened to another guy, a couple, you know, like a week or two later, and Michael Franco, and, and he took him out. And then kind of blamed it on an injury, but he really took him out for hustle. And it, it just didn't match up. And for me, the starting shortstop jogs it out and, and isn't showing the hustle or desire that he has on the field. You could send a message to the entire clubhouse. This isn't going to be tolerated. You know, I'm not saying you have to go 100 miles an hour down to first base, but at least put an effort in, get to first. And I think that would be um, a big deal in in, in dealing with the aspect of of showing a little bit of of authority. Let's end on this. You know, everybody at every level is trying to steal signs. That's part of the game. But when you start doing it with cameras and watches and that's when baseball has to step in. 
we have known for the past couple of years through our green and gold lenses here that stuff has been going on. There's been multiple clubs that have reported the Astros. Major League Baseball hasn't done anything. But now after what happened with Brandon Taubman and they're already being investigated, now they're going to be investigated again. It's funny how the Astros said they're going to investigate themselves, but where do you weigh in on stealing signs but doing it electronically? I am okay. So someone asked this on Twitter the other day. I'm like, okay, I'm all for a guy tipping pitches. That's that's on him. That's his mistake. And if you're the hitter, or you're the guy on the bench that's able to see it, and you want to relay it somehow, okay, that's fine. I mean, maybe I, I'm a little bit less certain with the the relaying it from the bench. Um, what if the guy gets the signs at second base? What what if the catcher is just going, you know? Uh, you know, there's so many different sequences. Let's just say, like, you know, outs plus one. So there's no outs first sign. You know, one out, that's the second sign. You can get that. You understand that. You have conversations. There's so many times that we'll talk on the bench, be like, what you got? And it's like, it's not because of a TV. It's because guys at second base being able to pick up a sign. What's wrong with that? Isn't it the, the fault of the catcher and the pitcher for not having complicated signs? Now, if it gets to the electronic level, I mean, come on. That, that, that just, that's just dumb. I've always said, like, at what point is someone going to get caught? I, I, I've said this, and I, I still think it's going to happen even after this. But, you know, like, we, we see those little earpieces that guys have in, in CIA or whatever. You know, maybe, maybe that happens. Maybe that comes down one day that, oh, someone had an earpiece in. You know? And they were getting told everything that was going on. Why not? I mean, it, and, and so is that illegal? I said, absolutely. And, but that's where we're trending. There's so many cameras everywhere. You're going to get in situations like this. Yeah. And, I, yeah. Know, hey, like, hey. Well, you know, stealing signs at second base, that's, that's so wrong. I'm like, what's wrong about No, it? that's baseball. If no, it's done that's by baseball. your eyes, it is beautiful. It's engaging, right? You as a teammate are engaged. And if you're doing it electronically, then you're not doing anything. You're not. It's cheating. It's different. Great stuff as always, buddy. Keep your phone on. We'll be calling soon. You're the man. Appreciate it. Kevin Franzen, Philadelphia Phillies Radio Network. Also hearing him on Sirius XM. Another San Jose Spartan, San Jose State Spartan doing well. He's our all-time hits leader. Did you know that, Commander Cody? I did not. I assumed that somehow. Ken Caminetti. I would say I figured Caminetti would be up there. And then the pitchers I know are you and then Mark Langston. Well, if you're going to know pitchers, you need to know Langston. You don't need to know me. Uh, I don't know. From what I've heard, you were pretty good there. No, I'm still trying to dig up your college statistics, and I haven't been able to find them, but I will find them someday. They were high. I can tell you that. Uh, I was in the juice bad era. So So you're telling me you didn't have a lot of wins? Your wins weren't high then? Oh, I didn't start till my senior year. I was a reliever. Oh, you had a high ERA as a reliever? No, I was a starter. Uh, no, but, I, I got forced into starting my senior year. But you were a reliever up up till you were a senior, so you yeah. you, you were coming in the what were you mid what were you mid innings? Were you I the, closed? Were, I, were I, you the bulk guy? I uh, what do I, I think? I have five career saves. Oh, that's not bad. What was your ERA? Career? Just throw out a number. Oh, it's easily in the fours. Okay, back then that's not bad. Uh, you realize that they had to modify the bats we played with because <laughs> yeah. people were going to get killed. That that one Dude, they used to have. Check this out. Easton used to make the one bat. It had the clear top. It was a silver bat. 
It was like a 35-inch bat that weighed 29 ounces. Wow. I want you to think about that. A 35-inch wood bat is going to weigh like 35 ounces. Yeah. So you're swinging a 35-inch bat that was 29. They had to, the spring off these bats because it got to a point. Like Jeff Garrett, one of our pitchers, God love you if you're out there listening. I know he lives in Sacramento now. He got hit in the face. Like the ball was springing off the bat so fast that literally pitchers and third base and 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 first base and playing in, you just the human didn't have the reaction time to defend yourself. I mean, it's bad enough with wood bats. Now think about you know those black magics. I mean, you had we it was yeah. the juiced bat era. Now let me ask you this, and you've mentioned they this had before. to bring the bats down. By the way, they had to like change, like like uh, Easton and Louisville. They had to have different parameters. Now that you've mentioned this before on the air, and I'll bring it up again, has that ball that Giambi hit off you landed yet? No. Easily, it's either that, or uh, I I started in our tournament. We had a big tournament every year. Arkansas came out to play us, and I want to say Arkansas out of the SEC. They were like ninth in the country. And I started against them because Jason Simontachi, former big leaguer. I, remember, I know him. Crapped out. So we had all these Juco guys come in and crap out. So all of a sudden they had to make me a starter. And I had started since high school. So it took me a while to build up innings and to learn because my whole career was coming in throwing as hard as I can. Well, all of a sudden when you become a starter, you got to learn to pace yourself. I'm but so I, blown away that you mentioned Jason Simontachi. Simo, one of my teammates. Uh, I gave up a home run off the light pole. It's, if you ever been to San Jose Muni where the San Jose yeah. Giants play, yeah, I have. In left field, way up on the light pole, I gave up a home run to this guy from Arkansas. So it's either the guy from Arkansas, he was drafted. I don't remember his name. It was '95. I don't know if he. I doubt he ever did anything. We'll dive into that later. Either him or Giambi hit the biggest home runs off of me. Do you remember the, in the World Series when Kyle Schwarber hit that home run that like they like it just landed there? It was like 500 feet. I want to say was again was it against the Indians? Yeah, it was against the Indians in the World Series. He hit this home run and it was incredible. And I was like that. And then someone put up a video the other day of Adam Dunn hitting a 535 foot home run at, at Great American Small Park. That was incredible. Well, and that's the thing. It's like guys used to hit the ball at a Tiger Stadium. Oh, that wasn't 500 feet. My ass, that wasn't 500 <laughs> feet. You hit it that high out of an entire stadium, and you're saying. How about what about the ball uh, McGuire hit off off Randy Johnson at the Kingdom that went yeah. all the way to the back wall of the Kingdom? How about how how about how many balls? That, you're trying uh, to tell me that because think about it, that ball would have kept going, and then would have landed. Don't tell me that's not 600 feet. How about how many balls did uh, uh, John Carlo then Mike Stanton hit the that, great Mike Stanton that destroyed the scoreboard at Marlins Park and he hit that one out of Dodger Stadium? I think he was John Carlo then. So that one he hit at Dodger Stadium was a bomb. Oh um, yeah, crushed that ball. I mean, it's farther than that Dunn home run I watched the other day. And Adam Dunn was country strong, former A. I mean, how about in that home run derby at Fenway Park where McGuire's hitting him over the monster and then Griffey's hitting him to where, like, no one's ever hit him. Now, of course, they claim that the balls are smaller and they're super juice balls in home run derby. Of course they were. That's where we started to realize that they can manipulate the ball any way they want. They can make balls for regular season. They can make balls for home run derby. They can do anything they want. Speaking of that, speaking of baseball, there's a new article out from Dr. Meredith Wills on the baseball. We'll dive into that later today. She's going to join the program on Friday, so we're going to get a lot of postseason ball reaction and how different the ball really was. Ooh, how different. I don't know. I haven't read the article yet, so we'll find out. Some of these articles are pretty long. Like the one today done on the Astros, uh, Rosenthal and Drellich. 
both guys, who you'll hear here on A's Cast Live. Chris Rose is going to join us from Los Angeles, of course, of MLB Network and NFL Network. As we got the GM meetings going on. And the one team we got to bring up, which I think is just crazy, is the Cubs. It's the Chicago Cubs. They might be open for business. Theo Epstein said there are no untouchables. He said this down at the GM meetings. There's no untouchables. So you're saying Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, you cannot tell me Javier Baez is on the market. No way. I think they were talking about that after when they fired Madden and they're going a different direction the, the next day. Schwarber? You can get Schwarber? Well, yeah, you can get rid of Schwarber. Although he had a nice bounce back here this year. But you're really going to tell me you're, you'll trade Javier Baez? Yeah, they're willing to trade everyone. Amagio. He's going to win MLB the, MLB the Show 20. They're going to try to – I think the te- they got to watch is Chris Bryant going to the Braves. Braves have a lot of prospects they can give up. And what do they need? A third baseman. No, and, they don't. Well, Donaldson didn't accept a qualifying offer yet. But if he does, then you, then you don't need him. But I mean, are you telling me you rather would you rather have Chris Bryant in his prime or Josh Donaldson aging? Uh, did my guy JD have a bad year? or Something in your eyes? No, but I'm just saying. Well, Chris Bryant also is going to be a free agent, so you're probably going to lose him. So he's a rental. See, look, Rose is on TV doing intentional talk. This is taped from earlier. He's at like it looks like Dodger Stadium. No, Dodger Stadium has blue seats. I don't. I don't know where he's at then. Thought it was LA. Is he on the air right now? No, uh, they were on at twelve thirty. So it's that this is the replay. Yeah, they've like completely. The network has has changed up on me. They're doing their shows at a different time, so it's been changing me up a little bit. But what would you give for Anthony Rizzo? What would you give for Javier Baez? I mean, the Cubs were a team that we were talking about. Being this window of opportunity is there. And it's hard to believe they could be open for business. Well, when you talk when you talk about a host in sports, really nobody better. Whether you're talking MLB network, NFL network, you ball, you get the call. Chris Rose with us once again here on A's Cast Live with Chris Towns. And Chris, how are we doing here in the offseason? We're doing great. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. You're like me. It's like Baseball we're in the off season, but you know I also work for the Raiders, so we just go from one season to the another. It's absolutely great in football right now, and where where we are pretty wild here in the Bay Area with the 49ers and the Raiders still in it. It's uh we could have a special a special winner here in the Bay Area during the NFL. You already got it, man. It's been fun. Um, you know the Raiders thing looked like it could have been a disaster at the end of hard knocks and with the helmet issue and all that sort of stuff. But I'll give those guys credit. You know, they've, they've rallied their fun watch. Um, they've got a lot of good young talent. They did a nice job rebuilding that offensive line rather quickly. And uh, I still would like to see them give Derek Carr a few more opportunities down the field. I, I know he doesn't have great, great personnel out wide, but um you know, I think he's going to have to make a few critical throws if they're going to end up making this wild card or even chasing down the Chiefs, which, you know, I mean, I know 
they've got a shot at it. It's not great, but a decent shot. Um, and as far as the Niners go, man, they've been they've been really really good so far, and they're one of probably five teams in the NFC that are going to have a shot at the Super Bowl. You know, being down at uh, Scottsdale at the general manager's meetings and just hearing about the Cubs and Theo Epstein talking about how there are no untouchables. I mean, we thought this offseason was going to be about Boris and his clients, but if the Cubs start offing some guys here, they could change the landscape of this offseason. I mean, you've got a ton of great players. I thought their window of opportunity was still open how do you see the Cubs really playing this this offseason? Well, regardless of what they do, their window's still going to be open. I mean, they're not doing this to to tear things down. Um, you know, the thing is, is that when you have a lot of young guys that come up together, you're usually not going to pay all of them. It's just, it's just the nature of the beast. So somebody's going to have to go. Um, you know, I, I suppose Wilson Contreras is probably at the top of that list with everything you read. Uh, they could put Caratini behind the uh, behind the dish and go get a veteran, um, whether that's a, a Travis Darno or, or somebody else to split the duties with him back there, and maybe end up getting a young pitcher because I mean that's kind of where they are really struggling in my opinion. You know, I mean Lester, it, you know, is it the last year of his deal? There's an option after that with a ten million dollar buyout. Uh, it sounds like Hamels is going to go, uh, you know, Quintana and Hendricks have been, uh, have been fine. Um, but they definitely need, I think they need another arm there. They need to revamp that bullpen a bit and they need to kind of clear up, you know, they have to kind of follow the, the model that the Dodgers did last year where they traded Kemp and they traded Puig and that allowed Bellinger to be a starter every day and to lock in Peterson strictly as the left-handed bit bad against right-handed pitching. I still think there's too many guys that can play ever, you know, 85% of the time on that roster that are only getting 60% of the playing time. You know, having been in Cleveland earlier this year with the A's and you know, seeing all these little kids with Lindor on the back of their jerseys and jerseys and I understand is you know, where he is right now a couple of years away, so his value is probably greater than ever before, and we've heard the rumors about the Dodgers, and I know you're a big Cleveland fan. Just for me, after seeing that, I just think, man, if he got traded, what a travesty that be for all those kids in Cleveland. Yeah, but you know it. It's the market that we're in. This is nothing that's – it's not breaking news. You know, uh, attendance is poor. The TV deal's not great. Uh, the people in the town do um, – watch the Indians on TV. They have, I think last year they had the second highest local television rating. Um, so people consume it. It's just, listen, the city's lost business over the last 15 to 20 years and they can't afford a guy that's going to make several hundred million dollars. So the, you know, the question is, when do you pull the trigger? I mean, do you feel like the twins are so far ahead of you that you can't make a run if you're healthy, unlike they were last year? no, is there anybody else that's kind of coming up? I mean, the twi- the uh, Royals and the Tigers are still distant away. Um, and then the White Sox probably are going to try and make a big step forward this year. But he's going to be traded. The question is, is it now, is it next summer, or is it 
next off season. And if it's next off season, you're going to get not much, I think. So as hard as it is to swallow on this, now is the time. The Indians aren't saying now's the time, but now is the time. So I think about the Bay Area media, and you know up here it's pretty soft. It is what it is. But for the first time, and, God, I've been doing this since about the mid-'90s. I've never seen this before where whether it's a manager, whether it's a head coach, it gets announced that a guy's going to be hired, and immediately everybody's against it. And then while you guys were doing intentional talk today is when they introduced Gabe Kapler – and after an hour-plus-long press conference, and those usually don't go an hour, not even close, and Kapler talked a lot, I'm getting the sense that people are even doubling down even more that they don't like it. It's very strange that that happens in our area. Usually it's root, root, root for the home team around here. Uh, how shocked are you that it's been a real negative reaction to, Dave, to Gabe Kapler being the guy to replace Bruce Bochy? Well, it depends. What, what are – most people negative about in your opinion it's either gonna be what happened with him and the dodgers and the allegations uh-huh. about the young girl it's gonna be that or the fact that uh don't like the personality and the guy coming from philadelphia okay well if it's the first thing um everybody has their right to be upset with that and uh, with the way that things were handled because it was awful, right? And so if you're not going to um, turn the page, that's totally up to you as a fan or a media member or that's fully your right. And so there's there's that side of it. And then there's the baseball side of it. And um, there's been a lot of managers who were better the second time around. Now, not a lot of them had to wait only four weeks to get another job. In some cases, they had to wait years. Um, so that's uh, – I understand it. I mean, you know, in 2018, in the middle of August, they were in first place, and then they go 15 and 31 down the stretch. And it's not all because of injuries. You know, I mean, there's, there's some bad decisions that were made. But, you know, I did like what he said about – that he spoke with Bruce Bochy about – the adjustments that Boach made between San Diego and his move to San Francisco. And Boach, he was obviously much more successful in San Diego than, than Gabe Kapler was in Philadelphia, but he also had, you know, a decade down there as opposed to just two years. So, I mean, it, you know, if that's your problem, is it strictly about baseball? Well, then where did you want to go? I mean, did you want to go to an unproven guy or did, you know, where else would you have liked it? I always say that. When you're upset about a head coaching hire in the NFL or a managerial hire in baseball, I always say, where would you have rather gone? You tell me. Yeah, I think a lot of people would like the bench coach for the Houston Astros. I just thought it was very odd. Okay, but, okay, but hold on. That, that's fine. And Joe Spottom might, might turn into a great manager. Might. But, I mean, so you're going to take a guy that's totally unproven and might be overmatched as opposed to a guy who has at least been through it twice and can possibly learn from his mistakes. It's po- I mean, I'm just throwing that out there. I just find it hilarious when people are like, oh, yeah, we missed the boat. And maybe you did. I don't know. But it's just, a, you know, I mean, it wasn't like he went 60 and 102 both years. 
Oh, I mean, the climate has changed. We're taking guys out of the TV booth now and put them in, and sometimes it works, sometimes yep. it doesn't. Carlos Beltran right. hasn't managed. So, I, I mean, you really don't know. I just thought it was very strange because, you know, I mean, up here, normally when a guy gets hired, it's not negative from the start. Usually they got to earn that negativity before it happens. Yeah, I mean, I, listen, there's, um, like I said, people can be upset with the whole – Gabe Kapler situation down in LA. I, you know, I mean, that's, that's a tough one for me personally as well. And, you know, I've known Gabe for a long time. I, I have not talked to him about that. I haven't seen him in person since all this stuff came to fruition, but I've read the same stuff that everybody up there has read. And, you know, some people will say, well, that doesn't matter to me because I'm just a baseball fan. That's all I care about. That's your choice too. And some people are going to say, I won't ever get past it. And that's okay, too. You know, we all kind of have to individually deal with this stuff. And um, and then the baseball stuff, too. It's just a, you know, at the end of the day, if you're going to complain, it's like when we, when we talk about the NCAA tournament. Well, I can't believe that team got in. Well, then tell me which team you want to take out. Because you can't just keep adding teams. So I'd like to hear that sort of stuff. Yeah, speaking about complaining, and this is something, you know, from the A side we've known for the past couple of years with the whole accusations of what's been going on at Minute Maid Park with the Astros. has been There's been multiple teams that have complained to Major League Baseball. How'd you feel about that report about the Astros coming out in the athletic? Well, obviously there's a problem in baseball. There just is. And, um, you know, I know the, the – in the column, they said that it's not just an Astros problem. Uh, but when a guy goes on the record like Mike Fires and says, hey, let, yeah, listen, I was part of this. I saw it. Um, that's a real issue. That's, that's, and I hope Major League Baseball takes it seriously because it's one thing to be stealing signs at second base. That's part of the gig. But when we're talking about unfair advantage uh, because of technology, that's a real, real problem. That rubs me the wrong way. It smells of Spygate. I don't like it. Um, you know, who knows what sort of punishment they can dole out. But I'll be, I will I can't wait to get to the winter meetings and talk to some other teams about it um, and feel, you know, kind of get a response as to what they feel like the punishment should be. Yeah, that's going to actually be real interesting to see because – not only you have the Brandon Taubman deal that they're dealing with, they're investigating. So what happens with MLB and the Houston Astros will be fascinating this offseason. Before we let you go, put your NFL back, your NFL hat back on. As we're getting in here to November and then December, what are the things you're most interested in here as we're getting past the middle of the season and, and we're heading to the second half? Well, I want to see if, uh, if the Ravens can – you know, take that top seed away from the Patriots. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson's been phenomenal. Uh, and then I, like I said at the beginning of this call, was that it feels like there's five or six teams in the NFC that can really win this. It's not the same in the AFC. You know, really you feel like maybe there's two. I mean, I guess if Mahomes goes nuts that, that they could end up winning it. But, you know, I would take New England and Baltimore against the field in a second. Uh, so definitely watching those and, um, and I wonder if Russell Wilson can continue his run because it's been nothing short of sensational. And I would say that, you know, he would be my MVP vote. 
Chris, we always appreciate the time. We'll be down the winter meetings in San Diego. Hopefully we'll be able to hook up down there. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Chris Rose, Intentional Talk, also NFL Network. A baseball problem. That might be true. But then there's always somebody who takes it to the next level. And that's when the hammer needs to come down. We'll talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. All right, coming up here at 3 o'clock. They'll string it out, but hopefully, will we know by the time we get off the air today who the American League and the National League Cy Young Award winners are? Will we know? The show says we come up at 3 o'clock, so. When does the show end? Uh, probably 4. Uh, I, have this guy, I have it up right here on my Sling TV account that we're watching in here. What's how we watch the Gabe Kapler the Gabe Kapler experience earlier, and it says it starts at 3 and it's over at 4. So between 3 and 4, hopefully we'll have those answers for you. Verlander, Cole, or Morton in the American League? DeGrom, Ryu, or Scherzer in the National League? I'm going to bet DeGrom and Verlander. Remember, the votes are in before the postseason. I was going to go with DeGrom and Cole because you know how I love Mr. Outlier, so you know I'm going to go with DeGrom. And I just think the year – I don't take anything away from Verlander because his year was great. I, I just think their, – the, Their year was identical. Yeah. Uh, like, well, basically the numbers are identical. Verlander had the one more win, but Cole had, the, had like 26 more strikeouts, so we'll call them even. Verlander pitched more innings. Also true. He but, also had a no-hitter. Cole didn't do that. But also, reality is, when you match up pretty much everything, they're pretty much the same guy. So, I'm going to go Verlander. You're going to go Cole. We will see. Trevor Bauer is going to join us. Yeah, that guy. Trevor Bauer is going to join us at 3 o'clock. All right, here's the deal. Lack of institutional control. When have we heard that phrase before? We've heard that phrase before in college football and college basketball. Where there's money coming in, which is a joke. These players should be able to make money off of who they are. But whatever. There was always, it's lack of institution. We're going to take away scholarships and we're going to punish. We're going to do all this kind of stuff. That's what happens in college sports. It is very clear that there has been a lack of, of institutional control inside the Houston Astros. If you don't get the athletic, I wish you did. Not because I get anything for you signing up. It's just, it's great journalism. And Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drellich, Evan Drellich, who you've heard on this program multiple times, They've done this long, extensive interview. And peace on what's going on in Houston. 
And the fact that Houston is now claiming that they're doing an investigation on themselves has to be like the most laughable thing, right? We're not talking about a huge company. This isn't Google. This isn't GM. This isn't Goldman Sachs. This is the Houston Astros. You have a front office. You have your employees. Everybody knows what's going on. Our own Mike Fires said, yes, I saw it. I know what's going on. It's been happening. I told the Tigers. I told the A's. That's the thing about when you do stuff like this. It's not overly complicated either. They had a feed from a camera in center field looking at the catcher signs, was hooked up to a television monitor that was placed on the wall steps from the team's home dugout at Minute Maid Park in the tunnel that runs between the dugout and the clubhouse. Team employees, players, would watch the screen during the game and try and decode the signs. Once they figured it out, they started banging on a trash can, and the trash can meant breaking ball or off speed was coming. Trevor Bowers even put out on his own Twitter account where he's getting hit in Houston going, okay, now wait a minute. I mean, there's so much video out there right now. Who was it? Was it Glass now? Yeah, I think it was Glass now. He's tipping his pitches. Okay. How about they know it's coming? They won 60 games at home. How about when you watch the Astros and people start, when you really look closely and you start showing video, where their hitters stand at the plate and they watch all breaking stuff just go outside. They don't offer at it. They don't even flinch at it. How is that possible? They're so disciplined, they don't even flinch. And it's like, if you see these different videos, whether on Twitter, they're on the internet, they go through these sequences where Astros hitters just stand there, and when pitches that are not going to be a strike, or they're not, they don't even, they just, like their bat just stays there. They know what's coming. There was whistling going on during the American League Championship Series that the Yankees called them out on. Multiple teams have called them out for you. There's now videos popping up of where pitchers are on the mound, and you can hear this banging. That's the actual trash can that's being banged in the dugout to let the hitter know off speed's coming. And if you think they only did it in 2017, you're kidding yourself. And some people might say, come on, Fires, what are you doing? No, Mike Fires is saying, hey, listen, remember Mike Fires got blown up earlier this year in Houston? You don't think he's on the mound going, you sneaky sons of... He knows behind him there's a camera. Fires knows. He said, quote, I just want the game to be cleaned up a little bit because there are guys who are losing their jobs because they're going in there not knowing. You guys, getting young guys getting hit around in the first couple of innings, starting a game, and then they get sent down. It's BS on the end. It's ruining jobs for younger guys. The guys who know more, excuse me, the guys who know are more prepared. But most people don't. That's why I told my team, 
We had a lot of young guys with Detroit in 2018 trying to make a name and establish them, establish themselves. I wanted to help them out and say, hey, this stuff really goes on. Just be prepared. I told the teams I was on. I didn't know how far the rules went with MLB, but I knew they, the Astros, were up to date, if not beyond. He also went on to say, I had to let my team know so that we were prepared when we went to play them at Minute Maid. Two Astro, two sources said Astros uses used the system extended into the 2017 playoffs. Another source adamantly denied that, saying that the system ended before the postseason. You know, that's where, like, college football, they'd take your national championship away or college basketball. Baseball's not going to do that. But baseball has to do something. Baseball has to stop being so soft. You have rules. You have to start making people follow the rules. And as we talked about with Kevin Franzen earlier, if you're standing on second base as a runner and you figure out the signs, that's fine. That's baseball. If you're in the dugout and you're looking into the other dugout and you're trying to figure out the signs and you pick those signs, that's baseball. When you start using electronics, that's not baseball. That's, that's cheating. You know, corking your bat, that's cheating. There's certain things that's cheating. You can't do that. When you take a foreign substance, which this is a gray area, but when you take a foreign substance like Vaseline, Vagisil, you put snot on the ball, uh, Major League reference, and to make the ball move, that's cheating. It's tough, this whole thing now with pine tar or with bullfrog or some type of sticky substance. You're just using that for grip. Most hitters are, like, down for that. Hey, I want you to have control out there throwing 98. If you need to have, if you need to have some sunscreen on, on your hand, I'm fine with that. But using cameras, and Franny was right. What, if a guy has a helmet on and he's got an earpiece, is that, the, like, the next thing we're going to have earpieces in? Do we even have that now where a guy has an earpiece and you got you have a guy in his ear going fastball slider cuz you're going to know by watching video you're going to know fastball is a 1 2 is a curveball 3 is a slider 4 is a change or split you're going to know that cuz they have all the video watching this what if you had a guy in center field with a camera and he's got a way to talk to you in your earpiece. He could tell you every pitch. Is that going on now? Is that what they're doing? Major League Baseball has admitted to us that multiple teams have complained about the Astros. And I wouldn't be shocked if one of them is the A's. I know the A's have had some issues with Houston at Houston. I can't verify that they're one of the teams that actually did a formal complaint. But that's a problem. 
The Red Sox got popped for using Apple Watches. Using technology to steal signs, but then again, look at the Astros hitters when they're at the plate. Now, they're very good. Their splits are not that dramatically different. But in some of these home at-bats, you can tell these guys, they don't flinch on really good breaking balls. How's that? Like, I'm not even saying swing at. They don't even flinch because they know it's coming. I mean, the, 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 Trevor Bauer, who's going to join us in moments, he put out there on Twitter a couple sequences, and it was funny because he used emojis, like really good pitches that were just crushed, and he's like, huh, this doesn't seem right. I mean, when guys don't even offer at, at a nasty pitch and then they turn around and crush it, I, and I know the A's have had issues with the Astros. Multiple teams have. They've admitted it. What's baseball to do? Because stealing signs through cameras and electronics, that is no bueno. But more importantly, he's fascinating to talk to. One of the smartest guys we have in our game. One of the most talented guys we have in our game. And now doing a radio show on satellite. Trevor Bauer with us once again from the Cincinnati Reds. Trevor, thank you for coming on A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. How is your offseason going so far? Oh, man. Uh, hasn't been much of an offseason. I've been traveling a lot. Been probably busier this offseason than I was during the season. Um, but it's been fun. It's been enjoyable. Been productive. Um, trying to sleep enough. <laughs> so it's been good. So what do you, what have you been doing so far this off season that you're so busy? Oh man. Well, uh, running two companies and, um, well actually, you know, running one company and launching a second company and, uh, baseball, uh, you know, training research, um, running some R and D projects with my analysts. Uh, so that takes a lot of thinking and, and time. Uh, I've been traveling quite a bit. I went to uh, my dad's alma mater, Colorado School of Mines, and gave a presentation on analytics and baseball to their analytics club. Um, I've been in Houston. I've been in Seattle. I went to the LSU-Alabama game and then drove up to Nashville to see some of my teammates for a couple days. Just got back from that. Um, I'm going on a Nike trip uh, starting Sunday, so I'll be out of the country for four or five days there, and then I get back for four days, and I'm in Japan for seven days, and then I'm back, and then it's just, I'm all over the place. By the way, how good was LSU-Bama? That was a classic. That game was awesome. It was a fantastic atmosphere. Um, had everything that you hope for in a college football game. There was drama. There was a big deficit and a comeback and an answer, and the atmosphere was unbelievable. Uh, Bama does it right. It, it's a party in that stadium, man. It's, um, it's the only sporting event um, that I've been to as a fan, so excluding the World Series, but I've been to as a fan that even rivals uh, how I feel about Duke basketball games. So that's, uh, it was way up there on my favorite experiences list. You know, when I think about an offseason for a pitcher, and you've done such an unbelievable job and kind of like teaching everybody about how an offseason should go, about redefining yourself, finding a new pitch, working on that new pitch, making yourself better. If someone was to come to you to say, hey, listen, 
how do I get better this offseason? I only got so much time, and I need to maximize that time, and I need to make myself better. What advice would you give them? <laughs> it's funny uh, that you asked that question. It's a perfect lead-in to what I've been doing today. Um, I get that all the time. I get people reaching out on Instagram, Twitter, um, guys that I know or guys that I don't know to get my number from someone I do know. And I'm just I'm inundated constantly with questions. Uh, from you know all you know baseball players of all ages, um, and I, I'm really passionate about helping people. I just can't help everybody in that format. Um, so I've been designing today a uh, a new series that I'm going to be launching um, on my YouTube channel. Uh, it's going to be called Tips Tips with Trev. Uh, we're in the planning stages of it right now. I'm actually going to start filming it today or tomorrow. Um, but yeah, basically it'll be a weekly thing that I'm just going to take some of the questions that I get asked about training or just things that I think are important about training and, uh, and baseball in general, pitch design, nutrition, recovery, um, mental health, uh, you know, handling failure, whatever the case is. Um, I'm just going to make a, some YouTube videos, put them out there for everybody to watch. Um, that way there's, you know, if people have questions, there's, there's a resource for them uh, coming from someone who, you know, is, is in the league and has gone through a lot of the different stuff um, and seen, you know, a lot of success and a lot of failure along the way. So I feel like I have a pretty good platform to be able to encourage the next generation, which is something that I, you know, I'm really passionate about. So that'll be up at some point this off season. Uh, it just takes a while on top of everything I listed earlier to get that all built and filmed and edited and, and ready to go. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that and we'll help you promote that the best that we can. And, and when I think about like the off season, you know, it's like golf. You can go out and pound as many balls on the range as, a, as you want as a hitter. You can go into a cage. You can take all the BP. You can't do that as a pitcher. There's only so many times you can throw. So that's the thing about learning a new pitch or, 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 or redoing a pitch. Talk about how it's not like a hitter you can take in endless swings because you don't have endless throws. Yeah, no doubt. It's, um, it's why it's important to be able to maximize certain things um, early on in your career. You want to be able to have a, you know, a good strength base um, so that your body's able to handle uh, the volume. Obviously, if you can't, if you can't throw, then you can't work on anything. Um, and being, you know, being strong and fit is one of the, the biggest things that helps, you know, keep you healthy. Uh, the next thing is optimizing your mechanics so that you place the least amount of stress on your body per throw um, that you, that you can. Uh, so I spent a lot of my time early on in my career, you know, optimizing my delivery uh, so I can maintain a much higher throwing volume than most people, which gives me a, a larger um, opportunity, a larger sample set to actually work on stuff. And then you have to go about optimizing your processes and making sure that you're actually working on the right things uh, so that you get the most out of each throw. Um, and there's been a lot of research done and time spent on, on figuring those things out. Um, I'm actually I'm in the process of trying to develop an app actually that uh, will help people uh, with pitch design. Um, so I, I don't have enough info on that to, to talk about it yet, but um, that is something I have in the works. But uh, you know, knowing that you have the right grip and that you're trying to do the right things, um, and, and that what you're trying to create is actually going to benefit you. Like, you don't want to spend all your throws developing something that ultimately, you know, it's going to make you worse or that you're not going to throw a whole lot or you don't have confidence in or, or whatnot. So there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. There's the analytics and, and the data behind, you know, what, what do I want to develop? What exactly 
do I want to get done? Where do I want to be for next season? And then there's the process by, by which you actually go about doing it, which um, you have to understand delivery and, you know, biomechanics and uh, pressure points on the hand and um, inertia and, and all these different things to really develop a process that's, um, that's optimized. And so I've spent a lot of my time doing that uh, over the last, you know, 10 years, or I guess it's more than 10 years now, 14, 15 years. Uh, but it's a lot. There's a lot that goes into it. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's the that's the process in, in the most basic terms I can put it. Now, watching guys from college now get hired at the big league level, watching guys from, like, driveline getting hired at the big league level, we're seeing that change. Kyle Bodie is now going from driveline to the Cincinnati Reds. Talk about the evolution of the pitching coach where it doesn't have to be this old school guy that pitched way back when he's been the minors of the big leagues is that we're now allowing different minds and people who really know how to use technology to make people better are finally getting that opportunity at the big league level. Yeah, I think it's great. Um, It's like the new arms race in baseball is finding uh, the best coaches and my best coaches, I guess there's two, there's two things that are really important in my eyes. Uh, you have to have the right information. So you have to really know um, the direction the game's going. You have to know the analytical side. You have to understand that what you're saying to the player is the correct thing. You don't want to tell them the wrong thing and then make them worse. But then you also have to have the people skills and the communication skills to be able to actually get through to the player and communicate that information in a way that he can understand that he can use. And generally speaking, um, that's where – um, I guess guys that have been around the game a long time excel because they can talk you know, the same language. They can share experiences, stories. You know, there's so much downtime in baseball that that's how a lot of the guys in the clubhouse communicate. It's like, oh, remember this time and this happened? And someone else will jump in and say, oh, you'll never believe it. You know, I was with this guy and that happened. And so that builds trust and camaraderie. And you know, the coaches are a big part of that. So the, the super coach right now, um, again, this is you know, my opinion, but uh, the way I see it is that the super coach is someone who has played who can talk that language, but who also knows the analytical side of things um, and is making sure that, you know, the information that they're giving to the players is, is the best information. And so guys like Caleb Cotham, um, Cody Buchel, um, that have played at really high levels. Those are just two of my, you know, really close friends that are in, in high ranking positions and organizations now, but they understand the failures and the success and the, you know, just the rhythm of a, of a baseball season at the highest level. And they also really understand the data and can make informed decisions. That way the players don't have to think uh, when players have to think about that stuff consciously, you really take a risk of getting them out of their performance mindset um, and, uh, and having internal thoughts. And if they take those out to the mound, um, that's where you can get, uh, I guess what people uh, refer to as the hips or uh, the thing or, you know, whatever the case is. Um, so the ideal scenario is to have a player not think at all and not have any idea really what he's doing. Um, so he's just going out there and competing and playing. But then a coach that the player trusts 100% that's giving him the right information, telling him to do the right drills uh, and leading him down a path that, um, you know, kind of satisfies both of those worlds. And that's really where the game's going to go. Um, there's not a whole lot of those coaches out there, but as a – as they become in higher demand and people realize that that's what they need, um, you know, the players will start to, or coaches will start to fill those molds and um, it'll, it'll be a really exciting time in the next, you know, I'd say probably two to two to five, two to seven years to see where all that goes. Yeah. It's going to be fascinating. And, 
You know, the Athletics, the Oakland A's have had their issues with the Houston Astros. It's just, it is what it is. And now Major League Baseball is admitting there's been multiple teams that have had grievances with the Astros. And maybe we don't need to specifically say on Houston, but stealing signs and using cameras and using eye watches and using all this, that is truly illegal. And as someone who's pitching in the big leagues, and you know there's cameras everywhere, there's cameras behind you, there's cameras all around you, how do you go about that as a pitcher when everybody is watching you and everybody's videoing you, and you know that there are certain teams who are using this video and even live video against you illegally? Um, it's a it's a complicated question. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of different ways to handle it. Um, I can only speak from you know my personal experience and my uh, kind of my mindset. Um, but at the end of the day it's still a human game, right? You know, the hitter has to execute a swing. They have to be able to see the ball and, um, and put a swing on it. You still have a chance of getting them out, uh, if, even if they hit it. Um, so have, uh, have elite stuff that's just hard to hit, period, uh, is, is one way. And that's, you know, why I spend so much time in the offseason developing new pitches and making sure that they're outlier in some way, um, whether it's the movement profile or the velocity or whatever the case is, how they play off each other. Not the first thing. Just make your pitches as hard as like as hard to hit as possible. It's the point where you could tell a hitter what's coming and and they wouldn't hit it. Um, that's also something I play around with. There there are times where I will just literally like signal to a hitter on the mound like, hey, fastball's coming or curveball or something like that, and then throw it. So there's the mental side of things because then you put a conscious thought into the hitter's head of like, is he telling the truth or not? And then that takes him out of his performance mindset. So there's the mental side of it. They can they can go both ways. Um, and then there's just tendencies. You know, I think the tendencies are the biggest thing. Um, you know, regardless of pitch tipping or, or whatnot, if you always throw a fastball on a 2-0 count, then the hitters can just sit on a fastball and is going to have a better chance of hitting it. So I spend a lot of time monitoring if I'm falling into tendencies on, you know, pitch types that I'm throwing in certain counts or certain locations. Um, do I only throw fastballs away? Do I throw fastballs in enough? Like what, what's the case? So that hitters can't just kind of pigeonhole me into, into one thing. And if you have an elite arsenal um, and you locate it pretty well and you don't fall into tendencies, then you're going to have success regardless because there's just not that many other players in the league that have the combination of all those things. And uh, that's kind of how I approach it. Well, I can tell you, you're becoming a fan favorite out here on the West Coast. Uh, A's fans, and we have a lot of just ba- Giants fans. We have a lot of Major League Baseball fans here in the Northern California that listen to the show, and it's absolutely fascinating to talk to you. And if you need help on, on launching anything, selling anything, you let us know. We're huge Trevor Bauer fans. Always appreciate the time. Good luck with all the travel. Good luck with the businesses, and hopefully we can talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. appreciate it. Trevor Bauer. Wow. Friend of the program. Oh, God, it's so good. It is so good. Man. You know, I don't even know really what my... I didn't really have a big opinion on him. I mean, I loved his stuff, right? Just the more you talk to him, just the more you just... You love the guy. He's bright. I so mean, I mean, his parents are engineers. He went in and talked to his dad's school of engineering in Colorado. It's a good school, Colorado School of Mines. It's a really good school. Well, I, you know what? 
I like smart people. I like being around smart people. I like being around people who are smarter than me. I like learning. Sometimes smart people can be tough to deal with because they know they're smart and they can be arrogant, but whatever. I mean, we all have our we all have our warts. But I like speaking with people who you know you can learn from. And Trevor Bauer saying Trevor Bauer to me is a go-getter. Like Trevor Bauer to me is somebody who wants to make this game better. Did you hear? I mean, he he has so many people reaching out to him. He's not denying them. He's talking with them. He's trying to help them. Now he's gonna he's gonna have a YouTube. You, you don't think we're gonna be all over watching his YouTube I mean, channel? I mean, they wrote a book about him. Essentially, the MVP machine focuses a lot on Trevor Bauer and the way he 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 rediscovered himself and redefined himself and remade himself and. Kyle Bodie, who who's he's really close with from Driveline, now works for the Reds. Like, do you think that the Reds are saying, "Hey, let's hire this guy"? I know he's from Ohio, but you know, let's hire this guy. Trevor had a lot of influence in that. I would I would say, and that's the way teams are going. And he's, and Driveline, we have to get to Driveline at some point. Like, we have to go and see what they're doing up there. Maybe take you through it, and get some velocity. Maybe see, you know, maybe next Jack, or, uh, next Jim Morris right here from the rookie. I've been swimming lately. So you're Michael I, Phelps then? I've been working out. I've been swimming once you get that because, you know, I have to prepare that we're going to fantasy camp. If we go to fantasy camp, I have to be prepared to throw. So I'm starting to get ready. So if you keep working out, are you going to try to catch up to Gabe Kapler and physique or what? Yes. I, I want to rival Kapler. Buying or selling, I will have a six-pack by start of spring training. Uh. Well, it depends on defining six-pack. Six-pack body or six-pack of uh, a good IPA? Oh, I could slam a six-pack. Yeah, within, okay. Uh, um, I'll long? buy that. You know, I'll, I'll put faith in you. I'll buy it. I'll buy it. You can get a six-pack. Like if like a six-pack of Bud Light. Oh. I could crush a six-pack in Bud Light really quick. I wouldn't doubt it. Bud Light's not a bad light beer. Uh, of course, like whatever light beer... I switched over to White Claw. You should try. You should do that. White Claw is good for you. I've had White Claw. I'm not. I'm not. I'm going to say, I don't hate it. It's it's basically seltzer water with alcohol, right? Yeah. You know who's a big fan? The professor, Professor Matt Pearl. Big fan of the uh, seltzer. Oh, that is so. That's so. Him. We we took a bunch of it to his the, party a few months ago. By the way, I could. That is so. Matt Pearl being a White Claw guy. Goes hand in hand. Tells you a lot. Tells you a lot. What you need to know. Yeah, it's good though. I mean, I had it last weekend at Friendsgiving. Is it seltzer? What exactly is it? Well, Sparkling water. It's like seltzer water with alcohol, essentially. It's like five percent. So basically, Budweiser is five percent. Yeah, and it's you know I was never into seltzer water until I started trying White Claw, and it's I don't know. I mean, I've it's hundred calories enjoy, per can. I, I've I've started to enjoy sparkling water. I was never a big sparkling water guy, but my wife's been getting flavored. Sparkling water, whether it's like lemon lime, or I've started to enjoy sparkling water. Uh, Safely has a nice brand. It's very, very um, economical. It's like a dollar for the bottle, and it's not bad. I'm not a, I'm not a spark. I think, I think my wife buys. It's the Arrowhead. Okay, yeah, I, I've seen that before. So it sells or white, white. So I've had White Claw, I think, once, and I was just like, "All right, I get it." Well, next party, we'll bring it over. I'll bring it over. Do not bring White Claw over to my house. Why? It's 100 calories per can. Which it, I'm a grown man. Sorry, do not, so do right. not. Do so bring, not. So bring two cases. 
Do not bring anything that's 5% or lower to my house. <laughs> well, hey, by the way, there's... It a- shouldn't be let put this way. If you're bringing in liquid to my home and it's not at least 6.5% or above, leave it at the door. There's a really good Russian river. You going to bring Corona Light in? Is no, that what's next? I don't like Corona Light. There's a really good uh, IPA from uh, Russian River I've tried recently, Happy Hops. I hope to get it at the Whole Foods bar, you know, where I right down the street from my apartment. They have it there sometimes. It's really good. I had it last night for the Sharks game. Did you book our, uh, by the way, little inside? So that we we are going to be like the only show. They don't even have a radio row down at the winter meetings. Well, it'll be hopefully it's us and, and we uh, we will be the radio row. Hopefully it's us next to Millar and and uh, Chris Rose. Kevin Millar. Because their show's on what they start at two o'clock, so yeah, we'd be on. We'd be on with them. And uh, on, I thought you said they're on at noon now. Well, right now, but who knows? Back then, it can MLB back. now is what at eleven. Yeah, I need to get on that show. So yeah, I mean Brian Kenny has been on recently, but they've been having a Scott Braun or someone else host it. When uh, when are we flying down? Uh, well, I have my flight booked. We're working on yours, but it's gonna be we're gonna be on the flight flight. It'll be Monday, December 9th. Why is mine not booked yet? Uh, we're working on. We're going through a travel agent. I, I I'm not the travel agent here. Wait, how is yours booked and mine? We can't book at the same time? No, I don't know how our systems, I don't know. I don't understand it. I've not, this is my first time booking a flight through what we use for. So here. your flight's booked? Yes. I will, I will. Officially, I am booked for San Diego. Have fun. All right, well. Let me know, I mean, let me know where, I'm not going. Let me know where your brother lives so I can <laughs> have somewhere to stay. You're going to sleep with him. Yeah, well. Actually, just let me know where that Padres guy is. I, the they, alleged Padre employee, Bob Townsend. Yeah, that's true. Let me know where he lives, and uh, I could talk to him to influence the Padres and what guys to sign. Hey, uh, how'd you feel about the Padres going back to the Brown, going I, back to their roots? I saw that. It's well, maybe if you want to take the Brown off the field and start playing better, then I'll be all for it. I do like those camo uniforms they they throw out there, though. But okay, so the old Browns were so bad. The thing is with the retro jerseys now is that fabric, the uniforms, the fabric is so much better and stylish the way it fits these great athletes that whenever you – but like even the Astros, when they bust out the old rainbow unis, they they look way better now because they fit right. The uniforms are made better. I applaud the Padres. As someone who grew up in San Diego – I try and tell people all the time, like, the Padres stunk when I was growing up, right? They always stunk. Well, nothing's really changed. Nothing's changed, right? They haven't been to the playoffs in so six. I mean, I don't know why you're doubting our our, our guy, Jace Tingler. Who? <laughs> exactly. Uh, who? Like, who? Bruce Bochy next year. Jace Tingler? He's, he, he was at the Rangers? He did what? I never even heard of the guy. Field uh, coordinator. I do like, I thought when they busted out, I think the, I think the, the whole because like look funky uniforms are great look at the a's look at we got right i mean some people would say wedding gold white what that fort knox gold what the hell are you talking about i like the padres going back to the browns because that's who they are uh I, I don't have a problem with it just just start winning i'm tired of seeing the dodgers win every year oh the dodgers are gonna win there dodgers well- are gonna win Buying or selling, the Dodgers will make it 10 straight. Buy. I'm just going to buy because it's true. Because You it's, know why? It's, it's a Braves-like run. Because Yeah, we talked about that before. Uh, because the Dodgers have something that they're, they're ahead of you know most teams, and that's player development. And who helped that player development? That'd be the manager of the San Francisco Giants, Gabe Kapler. So Kapler 
for everything he's getting flack, you know, he's getting Kepler wasn't there that long. Well, I mean, when they started, when they started getting, he was a TV. Kapler was right. I remember because we used to 2014 have, was his first year. We used to have Kapler on my radio show all the time. Remember yeah, that? He's friends with Roxy. And Kapler was writing a blog about health. Yeah, he had a website. Yeah. Kapler was with the Dodgers for like a minute. He was doing Fox Sports, I think, too. He was on like he was on yes. FS1 or Fox. But yeah. But then he joined the Dodgers in 2014, and that's when like their player development took over. Chris Taylor and Kike Hernandez and these guys, Justin Turner. All these guys starting to get good. I, I'm going to unofficially just say Gabe Kapler is the reason. Well, and Farhan and Andrew Friedman played a big part in that. And, you know, Magic Johnson and the ownership group saying, hey, you know, spend the money you want, but don't spend the money that we want you to spend. And that's what they've done. How they've long do you think Kapler was with the Dodgers? 2014 to 2017 before he went to the – he was there for – if you do that, it's three years. Four years, essentially, if you count 14. But he was there at the end. I'm trying to look it up here. Right, no, no. He played as the Dodgers. Yeah, played as the Dodgers. So post playing career, got on past three, played for Team Israel. By the way, Mike Piazza, t- the uh, manager of Team Italy. Yeah, right there. Twenty fourteen, November seventh, and he left in twenty seventeen, where he took the Phillies job. So it was about three years. It's more like two years. His favorite account, Dave Roberts, got the job in two thousand sixteen. Well, apparently, I was reading. I think it was um, Andrew Bagley had the article about. Yeah, Kaplan. so I'm gonna say his his. Uh, his imprint isn't that large on the organization. Well, apparently when, when they were looking at Kapler, or when they were looking for the next manager, when they ended up taking Dave Roberts, apparently they wanted Kapler to be the guy. I think Bagley wrote about it, and they were they wanted the, the Dodgers' ownership was like, hey, do a larger interview poll, and they didn't. That's how they found Dave Roberts. And, man, how good would the Dodgers be if they had Gabe Kapler right now? Or if they did after, after Mattingly left? Kevin Franzen said it best. Loves the guy. Strength. Weakness, uh, managing the team, managing the bullpen, managing the, <laughs> the day-to-day managing in-game is the weakness. What was it like the his first like week on the job with the Phillies? He ran through 26 pitchers, and he brought a guy without warming up, and he goes, yeah, yeah, he warmed up prior. Prior to what? Oh, that was a mess. Well, prior to what? Like the- His first month in the big leagues was a mess. By the way, do, do you have the quote from Kapler when he was asked about whether he's going to be handed a lineup every single day? Uh, no, about the puppet. No, I was try- I, the interview was an hour long. I couldn't. I couldn't have. I don't have the time to go through that. I I ended up pulling like one quote from him talking about how um, he's already you know talking about is he starting here in a hole, meaning knowing that people don't like him. That was like the only thing I could find. David Ross, Rossi. You don't hire Rossi if you want to if you want to have a puppet. But yet Theo Epstein now in Scottsdale, Arizona, saying uh, no one's untouchable. But you don't have you, David Ross. You don't hire you don't hire Rossi if you're hiring a puppet. I'll, I'll, if you know Rossi, yeah. I, if you know Cappy, <laughs> Cappy. If you know Cappy, you're not gonna get. This is gonna be. You know what? We'll do what we do over here. Worry about winning the American League West. Worrying about whether the Astros are cheating, <laughs> and taking down the division. And we'll just look across the bay and just monitor to see how that thing goes. Should we, you know, how we do the manager show or we do the Bob Melvin show every week? Should we ask the Giants so we can do the Gabe Kapler show? Cappy? Yeah, the Cappy show. Rossi? Once a month. You're not going to hire Rossi or Cappy if you're going to get it just a stooge. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how that, how that goes. But yeah, it's going to be a train wreck over there, I think. Whoa, I think, you don't know yet. I, hey, I just That's said. That's your guy, Gabe Kapler. Yeah, I said you're they, a big Gabe Kapler guy. I did tell you all that he was going to get hired. I told everyone he was going to get hired. You really are going to buy that I will have a six-pack by, by the start of spring training? I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. 
That's like me saying I'm going to drop 100 pounds by then. I got four months. I don't think I'd bet on myself. Well, that's that's not very optimistic of yourself. Could be a pessimist. Well, I, I think I know my habits, and my habits are not good. Up next, Shooty Babbitt. We'll talk to Shooty. My, see what's going on with Shooty in the offseason right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. All right, so have we got an announcement yet on any of the Cy Youngs? Commander, we're halfway through the, the – sh- we're more than halfway through the show. Yes, we have it. And the first Mets pitcher in history to win back-to-back NL Cy Young Awards. Jacob DeGrom, Mr. Outlier, wins the NL Cy Young. What was his record? 11-8. and eight. He doesn't have enough wins. Uh, by the way, a lot of those losses, he did get beat up. He did. Fact. He wasn't an outlier this year. But he had like a 2-4, 2-4-8 ERA, something like that, or 2-4-3. Oh, his wins, he pitched great. Yeah. You can't say, like, last year, his losses, he bar- there was losses where he gave it up this year. And he also had, like, 255 strikeouts and 204 innings. So, all right, let me call Shooty. So we're waiting on the American League Cy Young Award winner, Morton, Verlander, or Cole. Jacob deGrom is your National League Cy Young Award winner, giving him two on his career, which that is very, very impressive. And if they can ever put it together, they're still great arms in New York. That's the seven-time Mets pitchers won the Cy Young. That's tied for second most in any franchise in the history of baseball. The Dodgers are first at 12. Thanks. Thank you, Sarah, for tweeting that out. She's a Mets The fan. Mets have nine Cy Young Award winners? Seven. Seven Cy Young Award yeah. winners? They won the Cy Young seven Ooh, times. Seaver. Well, DeGrom. Gooden. Uh, all right, that's three. Uh, we have to figure out the other four. What about uh, – did um, – I don't think Johan Santana won one, did he? No. He did right, that well, with, with the – The Twins. All right, let me look this up. Shooty's on the line. Do we have Shooty Babbitt? Shooty, how are you, my friend? Aki, my friend. What's up, fellas? I just, want, I just want to let you know I'm getting my golf game back on track. I'm going to be ready to play soon. Oh, please call me because I'm chipping and putting right now, Townie. So, um, you know, that's the majority of the game, being able to get up and down. Bro. Like you and me, every day we just get up and then we get down and then we get right back up. Uh, I played yesterday. <laughs> about 13 holes, I looked great. And then there was a couple other ones that was blow-up city. But I'm getting my game back, my friend. <laughs> All right, we're, golf is a cruel game, man. We're in the off season, right now. One thing that it, you know, bringing guys like yourself on, just had Trevor Bauer on. You know, if a young player was to come to you, because you only have so many months to maximize and to get yourself better before you got to either report to Arizona or Florida. What would you tell a young player, whether it's a minor leaguer? Heck, it's a college player here. Is they're going to be going away for for the winter break? How what would you recommend for somebody how to get better in a short amount of time? First of all, you cannot dwell on where you've been. You can't continue to pat yourself on the back from what you've done. You've got to understand where you are and what it's going to take you to get where you're trying to get. 
there are some blessed, talented, fortunate guys that are get an opportunity to do the same thing with the same amount of talent. But what separates them is the will, the work ethic, and the grind. Don't spend all winter long in the weight room, in the mirror, trying to see how swole you can get, putting on oil and shining up for the ladies in the gym and stuff, man. Work on your craft. If you're an infielder, take a zillion ground balls. You got to work on bat-to-ball contact skills. You got to work on angles. You got to work on jumps. You got to work on routes. You got to work on the meat and potatoes of the game because that's what separates the players from the players. And if you look at the World Series, the Houston Astros pretty much got played by some players. So that's the difference for me. If I had my choice to tell a young man, I would tell him and keep it real with him and tell him, don't let up, don't let nobody outwork you, and work on your craft. You know, and I think there, those numbers that are coming out from StatCast and the success of hitters, when you start talking about making contact, you start talking making hard contact, when they start talking about that exit velocity of 95 miles an hour or higher, man, these guys are hitting for high average, Sudi. There's something about still making that quality contact, and it doesn't have to go out of the ballpark. But as long as you make that good quality hard contact – Boy, it's going to play for you big as a hitter. Well, contrary to what some people believe, making contact consistently on a guy that's throwing 90, close to 100 miles per hour, and then got something else in his bag uh, is easy, then they've been drinking too many adult beverages. This is one of the most difficult things to do, to square up a baseball with consistency. If you can do that, you live with the results, because if you square it up, most of the time, Good things will happen, and most of the time it is a quality at that because it's difficult to do. So um, you're exactly right, Tony. When you make consistent hard contact, big things has a chance to happen. You know, and, and, and thinking about the Astros, they're so controversial right now. We won't get into the controversial part. We'll get on the things that they do well. You're not going to beat them, Shooty, in a 162-game season, whether you're playing them or you're playing around them in the same division. If you're striking out a lot, you're not going to be able to go win for win for them because their pitchers strike out more than anybody, and their hitters just don't strike out. They make they make contact, so it's like you want to see people kind of morph into that style of offense of good at-bats, making contact, the all-or-nothing teams, for some reason, you're just not going to win as many games as them. You just have no shot at it. Well, there are people that have concepts and they have theories. And there is fact and there are numbers. And if you look in the Hall of Fame, there are Hall of Famers that have put those numbers up. And I have not heard one of them buy into this new theology of doing one thing one way. It's not that easy. This is a game of adjustment. What makes you special is that you are an individual that can do something a little different, that can speed somebody up or something. There's something peculiar about you that they just can't figure out. If everybody's doing the same thing, it's pretty easy to defend you. It, man, Tony, this is, I don't know, sometimes you can think too much. And, you know, some people, you don't want them to think. You just want them to go out there and be themselves. So, man, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how we continue to grow the game in the way that we are as far as the way we approach it. But I just know them dogs, them dudes, that slob at the mouth, them guys that fight, that can spread out and choke up and make contact and fight off pitches and wear them pitches out. 
those are the dudes that those pitchers hate to see. They don't care nothing about these guys with this uppercut and going up there hacking and swinging and striking out. Last I checked, the only thing in life that's good in striking out is bowling, and we're not using a 16-pound ball here. That is correct. <laughs> and in bowling, you can have pitchers of beer with you. You don't have that in baseball. <laughs> striking out man do you know how i used to feel going back to the dugout facing your teammates that you don't went up there and got served up by somebody that's throwing some doo-doo up there i mean now you got guys just going up there just blowing it up guys and they just swinging out there really is man so uh, a little more pride i like to see a little more pride in that bat um in the inability to have a quality at bat and strike out and, and act like you care a little bit um that is the one thing that i don't like about the new thing in baseball is that striking out is not that bad of a deal yes it is bad strikeout all right so when i start thinking about the a's this offseason obviously everybody's looking to retool their bullpen we've talked about second base before but one thing that hasn't really been talked a lot about is chris davis obviously when chris davis hit that wall in pittsburgh while he was playing left field he wasn't the same after what needs to happen with Chris Davis this offseason to get Chris Davis back to being the killer we knew before he got in? He hit that wall in Pittsburgh. Well, one thing that I've learned about being with this organization in the early stage as a professional scout is that they don't talk shop and they don't talk clubhouse business. I don't know what's wrong with Chris Davis, but you're absolutely counting. We do know that it was obvious that he was not the same guy after that collision in Pittsburgh. But I'm going to give Chris Davis some credit, and I'm also going to spread a little blame to him. Because if you were hurt and didn't say anything, not only were you hurting yourself, but you were hurting your team. And I'm all about a guy that doesn't mind playing hurt, that not, don't mind playing a little banged up. But, man, looky here. He didn't make not one excuse about it, and he went out there and won. People don't know that the kid had his first kid this year. He went through some things signed a new contract, trying to live up to the expectations of the big money. We got somebody that went 40, 40, 40 three years in a row. So, I mean, Gene Bernie, we know it's in there. You just don't go from sugar to Shinola in one bad season. So I expect Chris Davis, a guy with a lot of pride and a lot of heart, to come out here and beat some people upside the head this year because that's what the Oakland A's paid him to do. And I think about pitching that's coming up right now, and I think about the guys that are already here about having the depth and have the quality at the big league level, have it down at the AAA level, having it at the AA level. You can speak to this as much as anybody. Just talk about the amount of depth there is with starting pitchers throughout the organization. Oh, we, Tony, if we get these guys healthy um, that we were counting on the past couple of years, he's not it's a real cotton. Is the truth. I mean, we got bounce back from other guys. We got young kids that are coming. You always talk about, you know, you need seven or nine guys coming out of spring training. This is a team. I mean, Daniel Minden is a guy that I've always liked because he's a competitor and he gets pissed off when people um, doubt him. If there's no doubt right now about where he fits in with his rotation next year, then he's not paying attention either. And he knows that. But this guy's a quality major league starter, and you can't say that about a lot of organizations having those type of numbers problems. So it's going to be a great spring training of competition. There's going to be guys that are fighting for jobs. There's going to be guys that spent the whole year in the big league going to find themselves in Las Vegas this year because it's that, that type of competition you know, within that roster. You know, everybody wants to talk about the 25-man roster, but the reality is – 
you're not going to win anything unless you have depth with the 40-man roster. No question. You saw that carousel we had last year in the bullpen. It's been that way in the past, and I think that's why you have to commend the people that are in charge. They just don't pay attention to what's going on today. They look down the line and what potentially needs that you may have and the one thing that we always talk about coming out of spring training, Seam Lake County, is depth, depth in the bullpen, because we know, especially this day and age, you better have all kind of arms up and down that bullpen because it's become a bullpen game. These guys are short blasts, short shelf like guys. They could be Cy Young this year, and they could be Looney Tune next year. You just don't know when it's going to happen. So um, I expect our uh, front office to be very busy like they always are, looking for that blue chip reliever that's going to fit right in and do some of the things that guys have done that have just stepped in that no one saw coming. So, uh, man, it's going to get warmed up here pretty soon, Tony. If there was some team to be worried about in the American League West, not named Houston, not named Oakland, who would that be for you next year? Um, I just don't see the competitive balance in that division. I think it's clear cut who the first best two teams are in the division. Seattle has cleaned house, and they're a young team uh, trying to rebuild over there. I thought Texas played over their skis. Uh, They'll be different. Uh, Anaheim, if they get Cole and Strasburg, it could be a whole nother world in the American League West because the one thing that they're lacking is starting pitching and bullpen depth. And it's hard to get that all in one offseason and fulfill all your needs. And their holes are pretty big. It's not like plugging a gap. I mean, it, it, it's a big old hole there that they need to fill. You know, one guy that's available, left-handed bat, and there's a lot of people looking for left-handed bats with some power, is Cole Calhoun of the Angels, no longer going to be with the Halos. What do you think he's got left, and what kind of fit do you be? Do you think he'd be for a ball club? It all depends on what ball they're using. I mean, this dude hit 220, 230 with 30-something bombs, and uh, I just don't see that. I've watched him ever since that he's came on the scene with um, Anaheim. I thought that he's been the most underrated defensive um, right fielder in the game. He can throw. He cuts down the running game. Guys don't go first to third. Um, I think he lays out a little too much at times, but, you know, that's the flavor of the business now. But defensively, he's one of the top in the game. Um, offensively, um, I'm just not buying into the power right now, and he doesn't make enough consistent contact um, if the power um, goes south for some reason. You mean you mean we use different balls in different years, Shooty? I didn't know that. Well, I don't know, Tommy. They come out with a different Pro V every year. <laughs> one goes further than the other one. So. <laughs> I know. Pro V one X. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, so we we'll see what twenty twenty. Uh, what that ball looks like, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, bro. That's for sure. They only hit two thousand more home runs in the minor leagues than they ever before in Triple A. Joke, man. I'm so disappointed. I just didn't get a chance to take BP with one of those balls. I could have looked very big um, in BP, man. I see little guys hitting balls where only huge men hit them. So I don't know. They talk about the ozone layer every day. Maybe it's the ozone layer, man. I, I, that's a little bit over my pay scale. I, I, I want to put you in a time machine and, and bring bring Shooty back. You might be a 40-40 guy now. Man, look at here, man. Isn't that amazing? That's why I tell young kids today, man, live your life, enjoy your youth, maximize your potential, man, because you're going to look up like, be like you and I, Tony, talking about how young and handsome we used to be, bro.
<laughs> Keep that phone on, my friend. We're going to be calling. Please do, County Man. Thanks for keeping me involved, man. Um, we're going to have a big year this year. Looking forward to it. The great Shooty Babbitt, part of the Oakland Athletics. And also, you see him on television. Comcast Sportsnet, California, A's pre- and post-game live. But more importantly, back with Billy Bean and the Oakland Athletics. as Truly, Shooty, one of the brightest minds in the game. I'm telling you, very revered as a big league scout. You you, you want someone to... You want to send somebody out on the road and find out and tell you what what, what a team looks like? That's Shooty Babbitt. Yes, uh, Commander Cody? What? Are you tuned to Twitter for the – we're doing – No, I'm, I'm trying to make sure we're not missing the uh, – because this is the one we want to see. We want to see is – is it Cole? Is it Verlander? Will they tie? It's Verlander. Uh, what if they tied? I'd have no problem. I mean, their numbers are identical. Why not give them both? Or just everyone's like, you know, we're voting for Charlie Morton. And it's Stop. Like, <laughs> Stop. We've got a three three current and former Astros all up for the AL Cy Young. You know this is supposed to be buying or selling in your... It's time for there worried buying about Twitter. or hey, selling. Worried about content. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. Buying or selling, the NFL is going to a 17-game schedule. Buying. The NFL, one neutral site game. What's this? Neutral site game. Would you rather play in London or Mexico City? London. That's what I saw someone throw out. They, they might have a. Every a, team is going to have a neutral site that's game. That's what Dieter Kurtenbach of the Mercury, of the, of the Barry News Group was saying. So I don't every, know if, he, if he's. Being I'm serious, down but, for that. So that means every year you'll go to London? Or you go to Mexico City. Oh, that's fine. Are you kidding? Those trips are incredible. I don't know. I've never left the country. I'm leaving the country the first time next week. If you tell me I can go to Mexico City or London every single year with the Raiders, I'm down. Buying. Yeah, I'm buying too. I think it's it's a good move for the NFL. Everyone, everyone thought 18 games was going to be the move, but 17 will work. So the Executive of the Year Award came out on Monday. Eric Neander of the Rays, the GM, won the award. He's been the GM of the Rays since 2016. The Rays had the second most wins in franchise history with 96 and the lowest payroll in Major League Baseball. At $66 million. Uh, Brian Cashman of the Yankees finished second. Old Billy Bean and Derek Falvey of the Twins tied at third. Buying or selling Eric Neander as the 2019 Executive of the Year. Man, who got it? The guy from Tampa. The GM from Tampa. Not Hein Bloom. Their GM. So basically, they're giving the award to the Rays because it would have gone to Hein, but he's now with the Red Sox. Yeah, I mean, you can, still give him, you can still give him the award, right? Even though he's not there? Not last year, Billy Bean got the award. I know, but I'm saying but you can still give it to Bloom even though he's not there. You can say, I, 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 don't, the I, I have no I don't know how that... It's a um, new, my it's, whole thing is, do you think that he should have gotten it over something like Falvey, where the Twins were won, what, 70-something games last year, and they won 101 this year? I know they played... I, 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 I'm totally buying race, yes. All right. Okay. It was an amazing year. For what they got and what they do, yeah, it was an amazing year. So as we talked about earlier, the Astros are using cameras to sell signs in 2017, allegedly. Cheaters! They're cheaters! They said the sign ceiling stopped. By the way, it's not allegedly anymore. Major League Baseball put out the statement, they're cheaters. By the way, buying or selling, the Astros will do a great job investigating themselves. Uh, Buying, just like... um, Brandon Taubman, when they looked into the Brandon Taubman. That's true. The the statement they put out, though, was much better. Much more concise, quick, to the point. Oh, they put out a statement about cheating. They put out a statement how they did. Uh, so, they said the sign ceiling stopped heading into the 2017 postseason. 
What happened in 2017? The Astros won the World Series. And Jose Altuve won the MVP. So I don't know if, the, if you want to try to take that away from him. Yes. The Patriots were accused of taping the Jets' practices back in 2007. The NFL fined Bill Belichick, arguably the greatest head coach in the history of football, $500,000, the largest fine ever levied to one person. The Patriots were also involved in Deflategate, where Tom Brady took air out of a football. Buying or selling, the Houston Astros are becoming the Patriots of Major League Baseball. Oh, I am buying. They are so controversial right now. Think about this. You had the Brandon Taubman fiasco, which was a PR nightmare that they're not going to live down for a long time. Now they're going to have – has Major League Baseball ever had to put on – Trying to think. When was the World Series? How long ago? Uh, ended like October 30th. It was on a Wednesday. What's the date today? Uh, November f- 13th. So in a couple weeks, has Major League Baseball ever had to have two different investigations against one organization that they had to put out in just over two weeks? Um, I don't think so. Not that I remember. Two. Di- they now have to. They now have to investigate the Astros two different times in a couple weeks. But wait a minute, they're investigating themselves. So why do they have to do it? That's just, just saying. That says a lot. Just saying. And the culture there is just, like we, we've heard, the culture there is not great. It's the most Astros thing ever, as people have said. So Gabe Kapler introduces the new manager to the Giants. I told you it was going to happen. He's now the 16th manager in the history of the San Francisco Giants. He looks to join a list of guys who did better in their second time around. That list includes Bruce Bochy, A.J. Hinch, Bob Melvin, Joe Torre, Bobby Cox, and Tito Francona. A lot of those guys won one World Series, and you know they've had a really nice run, including Bob Melvin. So buying or selling, Gabe Kapler will be the next great manager in his second stint with a new team. I'm saying he doesn't even last two years. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think I don't think so either. I'm selling. Then again, you have to wonder who's going to be the next. Who's Farhan going to bring in next? Look how hard it was just to get a GM. <laughs> it only took it only took what two years almost from when he got hired to oh well, it took a year about a year for him to him to find a GM. over a year well then again my pirates are still looking for a GM and a manager and the GM meetings are going on right now so who's representing the Buckos uh, Kevin Graves the the former he's the assistant GM who's now the interim GM who if they hire a new GM he's gonna be fired anyway so you're letting a guy that's not even probably gonna be here represent the team in. Uh, we're over there after the the meetings, Arizona. Like, come on, this is why you're a laughing stock organization. But anyway, that's they're not a buying or selling. Hopefully, Ben Charrington gets a job in the next couple of days. So, remember when Sweeney Murdy went at it with uh, Brian Cashman about missing on a top end starters? Well, Cashman was asked again today about going after Colin Strasburg. He said, "Of course, they're going to talk to the, them and the other top guys." The Yankees need a top starting pitcher this year because they're probably going to lose Domingo Herman to probably a lengthy suspension after what happened with the, I believe it was like domestic violence. So they're probably going to lose him for, I don't know, I mean, let's just say 80 games because that's what, uh, what did Azuna get, like 75, 80 games? So you figure they're going to lose their top starter. Paxton hasn't been great. They were talking about how they have to use the opener for him because he's been so bad. So buying or selling, the New York Yankees will sign Garrett Cole or Steven Strasburg this offseason. Selling. Wow, no faith in cash. They'll huh? get outbid again. And you know what he'll say? We, we made, try. Yeah. We made an offer. We tried. Yeah, we tried. Well, hey, we, we got Madison. We, tried. Bum, we, we got tried. Madison Bumgarner. That's probably who they're going to sign. We got Jake Odorizzi. Speaking of the Yankees, last one. 
Last week, the Yankees decided not to give Didi Gregorius Wait a minute, you didn't get Cole into this. They did, right there. They were going to sign oh, Garrett Cole or Strasburg. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Let's see. Did they announce the signing winner? Um, let's see. Verlander's on the phone. I don't care if he's on the phone. Did he win? Let's check. Uh, let's end buying or something because I want to know who won the Cy Young. Uh, yep, Verlander, Cy Young. Yep. I, who, who, who predicted that? Um, what a joke. Who predicted that? Should have been Garrett Cole. Who predicted that? And you're going to give Garrett Cole $300 million? Get out of here. Who Can't predi- even win a Cy Young. Who predicted that? Uh, you did. But you didn't predict Gabe Kapler, so we're both hitting 500 right now. Uh, somebody had the Nationals. That's true. All right, so you're, you're This the is butt. the fifth time that pitchers who were teammates that year finished one and two in the Cy Youngs. Just the fifth time. Now, you got to remember, the votes are in before the season ends. So all the stuff that you saw Garrett Cole do in the postseason, unfortunately for him, it doesn't matter. Randy Johnson, Kurt Schilling in 01. Mike Marshall and Andy Messersmith in 1974. Don Newcomb and Sal Magley in 1956 with the Dodgers. These are all guys that finished one and two as teammates in the Cy Young. I got one more for you. This is from Sarah. Quickly. Pitchers to win the Rookie of the Year and multiple Cy Youngs. Tom Seaver, Jacob deGrom, and Justin Verlander. deGrom and Verlander join that list tonight. Do you know the difference between two out of the three? Um, modern day versus pastime. Two will be in the Hall of Fame and one won't. Who's the one? You don't think the Rams? The Rams still got time. All right, maybe he's thirty. One, but probably not. Good luck. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for A's Cast Live. We'll redo the show. Don't forget, big show. You kidding me? If you miss Trevor Bauer, oh, we had some really good guests on today. We'll be back on Friday. Breaking down what? The MVP. Will it be Simeon, Trout, or Bregman? You will find out. Thank you for listening, everybody. We'll see you on Friday. Continue to listen to A's Cast, powered by TuneIn. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.